Good evening, model railroaders, and welcome back to the second section podcast where it's just regular guys talking about model railroading. I'm your host, Andy Dorsch, and joining me tonight is my co host, Mike Ostertag. Mike, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm upright and taking nourishment, so I can't complain. Yeah, that's always handy, right? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and in the studio with us tonight from Australia is Paul Kassar. Welcome, Paul. Uh, good evening well, to you. It's actually afternoon here. Uh, no, sorry. It's Wednesday morning, 11 o'clock. So, Wednesday morning. So really great to be here. Oh, my gosh. I, I hope our podcast doesn't go on for that long. Over here. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. So, so Paul, I think you've been on the show maybe once, twice before. Is that? Yeah, I, I appeared in the social media one, which was episode four. Yeah, that was that was a long time ago. Well, it's good to have you back back in the studio. And um, tonight, you're going to be sharing, basically giving us like a layout tour tonight of of your shelf layout. Is that right? Yeah, correct. It's a presentation I've done only twice before at um, at a mini convention for the uh, NMRA here in Sydney. Okay. And also, I presented to for Gordy Robinson in the UK. Oh, wow. So um, we did a presentation cool. on shelf layouts in, in the UK, and um, my layout featured in the UK Roundhouse magazine oh. for NMRA about two months ago. So that was a, a bit of a highlight as well. So it's perfect. Uh, to present here and um, about it's about my layout but it's also about the whole thing around shelf layouts how you operate so i take you through the whole whole thing i hope i don't bore too many people oh i doubt that highly i think think, well we got 77 folks here in in the chat already so paul um i know that you're you're out there in social media and uh, you participate in in other podcasts as well um why don't you, for, for the viewers here tonight, why don't you give yourself a, a bit of an introduction to, to our audience to essentially let them know who you are, um, yep. what it is that you do in model railroading, and, and you know, what, what, uh, what you're doing in the social media realm as well. Okay, no problem. So I guess a couple of things. Um, like Mike, I'm a, a lifetime railroader. I've been really? on the railways prototypically for, I'm in my 44th year. In, Holy uh, man. In um, railway signaling, uh, signal engineer. Um, so I've done a lot of incidents, investigation. I used to run operate um, maintenance operations in Sydney. So I uh, had a team of 100 people managing um, incidents on day-to-day. So um, railways in my blood. My modelling's oh, wow. probably about 50 years uh, off and on. Uh, I'm, I'm the, the typical, you know, where, as a kid, I had a, had a layout, small one. And then um, work came along. Um, I actually worked on the railways model railroad for, for a couple of years. And then I it was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, and then um, kids came along, family, and then um, I got out of it. Then in about 96, I, and I'll show you in the presentation, N-scale layout, which I had for about 12, 14 years. And then... Yeah. Um, I had to move. I, I won't talk too much about the layout just yet. Um, so social media, um, HO Scale Shelf Modelers is a, a group that I'm administrator for. We only started that two years this month, and we now have um, 15,500 
members oh in the group. And um, it just shows that um, shelf layouts are really, I, I think they've really taken over, really, ex really become popular. And I think COVID helped that as well. Um, so I do that regularly. That takes up a little bit of time. And um, the other one, of course, is I'm executive producer of Around the Layout podcast. Oh, the so dubious sounds... title of executive producer. Executive producer, but I'll tell you what that actually means is raise the star, and um, I usually go and um, pick up after him, clean the floor. You know, <laughs> I have to get yep. get him his drink. You know, he doesn't do anything except you know, the voice is so important. So, yeah, you gotta but, you gotta keep the voice. Ray's a great guy, and what I usually do is I help him. Um, do a bit of background research. We, we use the group uh, as well as others to look at who are great people to have on around the layout to talk about their layout. And it's, it's really, um, um, it's about modelers talking about modelers. It's about modeling. And we're very um, passionate about it. Ray is just a fantastic interviewer. And um, yeah, he is. It's, 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 and we share. It's all about sharing, like this podcast is. I, I support this one and a number of others because it's about the learnings that I've made and we've made to help the, help the hobby grow. And um, I'm, I'm really passionate about that. And so Ray and I spend a lot of time looking at who's who's great to have on the show. And it's not about it's not about having the uh, the A list of modelers. It's 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 modelers from all all facets of modelling. And um, we we really enjoy doing that. Now, see, Don Iris is here. Don's Don's been on the show, and he's a, he's yes, he yeah, a great modeler and a great mentor for the hobby. Has one of the best multi shelf layouts I've seen. And I'm actually coming over to the states next year to to operate Don's layout and raise and oh, a few wow. others. So I'll I'll be there in about May, hopefully, all going well. Oh, so, yeah, cool. so around the layout, if you haven't joined, I really uh, encourage you all to um, subscribe to aroundthelayout.com. And uh, we've got if you we've got Lance Meinholm next week. Uh, so that's yeah. a great interview. And, and Rob Arsenault the week after. And plus there's around 30 or so that we have um, you know, that you can download and listen to. It's purely an audio podcast. Yeah. But I highly recommend it. And I, I have to say something that – I, I guess the the one where uh, Joe Mammy, uh, this latest one, interviewed uh, interviewed Ray. Ray. That was that was extremely entertaining. And um, I, well, there's two two comments I wanted to make about that. One was um, Ray Ray tells an, a fantastic story, but Ray is also going to have to watch his back because Joe did a fantastic job uh, leading leading the discussion. I thought it was just I was like, oh. Oh, what's this now? There's there's a there's it's, a new sheriff in town. <laughs> I actually thought at one stage that Ray was playing both because they sound very similar. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was almost like is he is this a bit of a spoof on me? And am I gonna <laughs> you know? And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, it's you know. Is that the uh, one where like his newest one or whatever it is where yes, it sounds like yeah. Ray is it Ray is interviewing Ray or something? Yeah, well, it's actually Joe interviewing Ray, but they sound so similar. Yeah. You really have That's, to concentrate. Yeah, I, I can physically, literally, not tell them apart. I, yeah. I thought it was kind of a cool concept, to be honest with you. I, it was, yeah, I thought it was really creative, and I, I really enjoyed that show. 
Um, but Paul, so let's let's uh, talk just uh, before we before we carry on here. I do want to uh, just talk about, um, but not your layout, but the Facebook group as well. So, you you yep. model or sorry, not model. Oh my goodness, you you manage a a Facebook group out there, and what's the name of it again? It's um, HO Scale Shelf Modelers. Um, and and it, it's interesting how it started myself and Jason Reese. So we were uh, a, a group in a in another group, um, yeah. which only had one administrator, and they announced that they were closing the group down because of personal reasons. So sure. Jason Jason went across and um, started this, and then pulled me in on the same day as admin. What we wanted to do was not have one person own the group. Um, I think that's a risk. A lot of people put time and effort into these groups and yeah. to have one individual so they're going to close it down. So we just commenced. We were happy to help this person. They didn't want any help. So we started this second fort, this group, and it grew. But I have a couple of um, policies around it. One is anyone who takes the effort to post, I think deserves at least someone to make a comment. You see yeah. a lot of people make posts and there's no comment. So I always I always comment and provide feedback. And um, and it's not heavily moderated. And what I mean by that is we very rarely have to intervene. Occasionally you get someone come on and, you know, it's a bit of a bully or something like that. So we'll uh, remove them. But it works really well. We have a lot of active people, some excellent modelers, and always helpful and also willing to um, – help those modelers out. And I think it's it's important that especially as we get new beginners come into the hobby and they join, ask questions, that we provide them feedback and, and we help them out. And, um, you know, Paul, Paul there, uh, August is just, um, I, I changed the, um, yeah, who does that remind you of? When you look at that photo, who else does that remind you of? For me, it reminds me of Tom Johnson, that yeah. style. And, and Paul has has really done a, a beautiful layout. That's a, and he's, that's a yes. cool little scene. It is. Yeah. It's nice details with the the garbage and stuff in between the you know tracks track in the foreground and the midground there. Exactly, and you, you know it's Pick about adding car. detail. If if you said to me, um, what's one thing about a layout to me? It's having those mini scenes, which I'll go through. But the shelf, the the back to the um, the group. Uh, look, it's it's great, guys. I, I and you know recommend anyone to come join and and you know it, other people will post their groups. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I'm not the type yeah. who who says oh you can't put yours on or stuff like that. It, it's all about encouraging people to participate and um, you know I, I and being in the other other part of the world, it, it's active at night when I'm asleep. I wake up in the morning. I can browse through. We, we can end up with 20 or 30 posts a day. Um, depends how active people want to be. Yeah, but, this um, is – here's here, Paul's – look at this beautiful yeah. post here. You know, this is – there's a lot of content like yeah. this in the group all the time. That's a cool yeah. little scene. I like yeah. that. I like the way that photo was, like, like here's, put together. Here's another one, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's, it's just really fantastic. And then – I gotta say, Paul, the the comments. Here's another one. Oh my goodness, the comments and and all that that go through, always positive, and the feedback is is really, if you get yeah, any look, any criticism, it's it's fairly tame and 
you know, well received. Absolutely. Look, feedback, and I always, even my posts, I encourage people to feedback because in my leadership, in, in my um, career, professional career, we've always been um, accepting of feedback. All feedback's good. It's, it's You just decide um, if you want to take it on or not. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's great. I get a lot of um, positive comments about my work, but I also encourage people to give me how can I improve? Because if, if people don't tell me, how do I know? Um, you know, so, um, and I'm, there's no such thing as a professional or an expert. And, and I always worry when people say that they're an expert in any field. And I look to the likes of uh, Boomer, uh, uh, Ray, Don, uh, a lot of people in the group who, who I ask for advice for because nobody's an expert on anything. Um, I agree. And, and you learn, you continue to learn. As, as I said, I've been in my career 44 years and I still learn. Uh, and I don't put my hand up as an expert. Uh, I certainly have a lot of experience, but um, you know, you've always got to be willing to learn. And that's what the group's about. And I encourage people to post, whether it's the first time they've laid track, uh, you know, it's great to see and, and provide feedback. You know, people, you know, um, when you people lay ballast and it's always perfect, but Mike will tell you, and I, I've I've worked on the on the infra, on infrastructure for so long, it's not perfect, and um, you need to have divots, you need to have grass growing through um, a stone here and there want, in the web of the rail. Absolutely, Mike. Yeah. Tractor 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 ruts all the way through it. Yeah. Like our yard is done in Mantuak, the yard is on uh, was built on cinders. Same way as Green Bay's yard was. So Chicago Northwestern loved doing those yards like yeah. that. So yeah, in this time of the year when it gets wet, it's like stepping into crunchy pudding. I mean, it's just sucks your shoe right down into the muck. And uh, then the guys in the section go and they try to do their best to keep everything smooth, but they got to get their tractor in and out of there. And it actually comes out being handy because it gives water a lane to actually travel down the hill and it's, you know, it doesn't pool up as much, but yeah, you get, yep. yeah. And then don't forget about all the stuff that gets spilled all over the place, you know, yep. whether it's on accident or on purpose, you know. Well, if, you, if you're running grain on your line, then seeds drop everywhere. You've got grain right through. Um, and and the, the other part is things like um, drainage. Um, yep. And if, if it's a first-class line, you're going to have a higher sub-formation compared to an industrial line that has no formation, basically. Oh. You know, so it's, it's those, for me, I don't even need to look at photos. I've walked it all my life, so I know what, what, what it's like, you know. But um, people might do that perfect piece of track, and you say, well, yep, it looks great, but if you really want to be prototypical, perfect doesn't work. So, you, you know, find and then I look at... Oh, go, Mike. Oops. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if you look at Tom Johnson's layout, you know, um, it's just uh, that's something that not all of us we can reach. You know, we have limitations. I know my limitations. He's he sits him and Boomer sit like up there, um, and it's it's great to look at those. But don't get don't get um I guess um disheartened when you when you're building right. a layout and doing scenery because there's all different levels and different capabilities but you can all get there um it takes practice um but you need to be happy with the level that you do as well yeah what i was going to say there paul is do you find being in the railroad industry and then going and laying track do you get your 
do you find yourself getting frustrated with, <laughs> okay, I know that this is supposed to go like, not, I'm not talking about the track going like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about, okay, you've got the goat trail for like the next 10 yeah. for like five miles. And then all of a sudden you come to a road <laughs> and after the road, it's dead level. And there's just yeah. a small little drainage ditch. And then you go and fall right up. Finding a way to make those undulations yep. in yep. The, the track profile topography I find that to be one of the hardest things in this hobby to actually it's, do. It's actually harder to get inconsistency than consistency. Right. And yeah. And I saw William Sampson do um, in in a in a spur that he's hit the top of the rail. Oh yeah. Spots. Fantastic, because that's what it's like, right? Yeah. Um, okay. We we talk about um, jointed rail. Well, if you look at any, certainly U.S., they have what what size length rail? Eighteen foot, something like that. 30, thirty. Uh, jointed rail is usually thirty nine foot uh, sections. Thirty nine. I mean, yeah. you look at that in a spur. Um, that's just perfect. And what do we do? We put three foot lengths of perfect uh, flex track in the spur. When in reality. <laughs> You could cut pieces and join it would be more prototypical. Yeah, Mike, um, you you <laughs> Mike, you you did that ooh. bit of an experiment, didn't you? You I up... did. Yeah. Oh, here, hold on a minute. Before William goes and yeah, zoom out there. just a bit. Is that is that that's, better? That's a little bit. <laughs> is that better? Yeah. So I Paul, I actually did do that when I first started laying hand laying my track and I started doing it. I cut pieces of track at 39 oh, really? feet. And then I, then what, but what I did is I purposely, the very first piece I, I cut was only like two inches long. So that <laughs> one was, that the one starter. was on purpose. That was my starter for the one side. Yeah. And then the yeah. other side was a full 39 foot. So now I'm actually staggering those joints like you have, you yeah. know, yeah, and, exactly. and it's, and, but, it quickly drove me nuts doing 30. That's a lot well, of, that's a lot of yeah, rail absolutely. joints. That's and then you've lot. got reliability issues and you're going to have to solder yeah. every track. And, and that's, so, 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 I mean, it's finding that, I guess, um, medium point, but yeah. I, you know, when I was, when I'm laying track, if I look down it and it's got a kink in it, I think, yep, that's, that's prototypical. That's fine. You, yeah. You're never going to get perfect <laughs> engine track. You might, when you first lay concrete track, and you've done a full reconditioning through there in a prototype, but it doesn't take long for it to start to, to move and settle and that, and that type of stuff, you know. Um, the other thing I will say I enjoy about the group is a lot of people put their weathering up, and I, yes. I, I basically don't put anything on the layout unless it's weathered. Yeah. Maybe a, a $400 locomotive I'll leave unweathered for a little while until I get, get the courage up to, to weather it. But I think the, the other challenge on weathering is inconsistency as well. You need more than one method to, to weather um, because um, otherwise they all look, you can tell that the same person's weathered them. So I try and do different types of weathering on the layout, either pan pastels or uh, acrylic washes or a combination of both. Yeah. Just, or sometimes the odd, I'll have someone, a friend, weather a car for me just so that it gives that different perspective on, on the layout. So... Um, but, yeah. uh, so many different facets of this hobby. That's why it's it's so popular and, and growing. But so yeah, so uh, the group is um, 
you know, I'm really proud of it. And um, we very rarely have to um, intervene with any issues. Um, it's a place where I want, I like people to go and feel comfortable to post and make comment. Um, yeah. That's what it's about for me. No, and it's, it's a, and it's inspiring too, right? Um, just to, to see everyone's work there and it's. it's oh, for a, sure. It's, it's a, a cool, super, it's a cool site. It's cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. And a um, lot of those things you'd never know by some of the pictures that some uh, of the scenes are only four, yeah. five, six inches deep. And you'd swear you're looking at like a two and a half or three foot wide yeah. like thing. And it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, the, no, a lot of it's depth. camera. Te- uh, the, the, you know, you can get a lot with camera technology and stuff like that and how you frame the scene. But, man, the work guys have been doing, you know, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, I like it. Yeah, very good. I think good. Um, shelf layout will change the pop. Uh oh. It says big battle. Um, you can have a small wall or little switching layout that can provide hours of, of entertainment. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. As well. Um, yeah, so that. Anything else that you wanted to add about yourself, Paul, um, or your exploits um, in, in model railroading before we talk about your layout? Because so watching, I guess um, I'm, okay, um, I'm watching the chat, and I just want to give uh, just a quick note to the to the section crew out there in the chat tonight. Um, keep the questions for for Paul's layout uh, when he does his presentation. I'll make sure to get them up there so he can answer them because I see a handful of them are, are starting to filter in, and that's great. Um, so once, once he does his presentation, we'll get started on that. I'll bring the questions up about the layout, but Paul, I I apologize for cutting you off there. Um, that's okay. What, what were you going to say? So I guess the only thing is why a lot of people ask me, why do I model USA? Like, Uh, um, the layout, um, and not Australian. And the reason I do that is because I work on the prototype here in New South Wales. So for me to, to model New South Wales wouldn't give me that break. From, from my working life. Um, and I've always liked US locomotives. And, and it, it goes back to when I was probably five or six, I was given a book, and I wish I had it now, but it had a Union Pacific E8 on the front of it. Ooh. And um, then in the, in the spread, it had a, a Union Pacific train passenger service, and that's just stuck in my head. So when I first went in at N-Scale, I bought two lifelike SD7s, Union Pacific. Yes, and um, I, I it went from there. Like um, my, my, I used to model Union Pacific, and then I modelled the fallen flags of Union Pacific. Oh, then sure. I modelled Missouri Pacific. Um, but what I have said is, when I do eventually retire, um, that I will build a second layout, uh, a shelf, another shelf, uh, which will be New South Wales prototype. It'll be my oh, wow. first fully prototypical. I've got an area in mind where I used to work and I'll scratch build the building and have a, have a switching layout. And I've already started purchasing some New South Wales, Sydney um, locomotives and, and rolling stock for that, but it won't be nowhere near the size of my main layout. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to, to, I guess, view your presentation because I've always had a soft spot for uh, the, the, the MKT and yeah. the Mopac. And I just yeah. have, I've never had the courage to, you know, to model either. So, yeah, I'm, so I'm taking looking... modeling license, right? You know, yeah, right. I, I call myself a fr- proto freelancer, really. Um, 
I try and build the layout as prototypical, but I like to run stuff that suits me. Um, the other thing you will notice uh, um, is that um, I have no signaling except a couple of level crossings on my layout. I have no motorized points because <laughs> I I don't want to be working on that when I uh, do it in when I used to do it in a prototype. Yeah, and I right. want my layout to be reliable. I don't want points failures and signaling failures and all that. that yeah, that is yeah, my I'd life. God forbid you get called out in the middle of the night because something Absolutely. like that on your layout, you got to go downstairs. And, <laughs> oh, I got to go and solder a joint because, As, you know. This relay Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jeff just asked a question, what gauge is New South Wales? It's standard gauge, four foot, eight and a half in New South Wales. Yeah. Um, most of Australia now is standard gauge, although some states are narrow and some states are broad gauge. So, mm. um, but we do have... Um, a, a national network of standard gauge pretty much nice i didn't know that i was yeah, always yeah. a mystery for me we run double stacks on. across the country and um, yeah. you run the longest trains in the world in the mines uh, we also now have um roy hill which is one of the private mines up in the northern in western australia it's fully automated driverless you won't like that mike but fully oh, no. fully yeah, no driver. They they do use a driver for a bank engine, only to be on the back of it, for to ensure that the process is completed automatically. But yeah, pretty pretty oh, amazing wow. stuff. So the broad gauge uh, late night it's model. Five, I think broad gauge is five foot three inches, and narrow wow. gauge is three foot something. Yeah, is that the is that the same? Is five foot three? Is that the same that they use over in Chile and? Stuff like that, because they they're or in Russia, yeah. isn't it the Soviet Union? They use that. I think I know their broad gauge also yeah. or wide gauge. Yep, so. for sure. Yeah, Rio yeah. Tinto is the driverless one in Roy Hill, up up in uh, Western Australia. Unbelievable. No thanks. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's <laughs> that's a heck of a heck of an intro, Paul. Uh, a lot of good questions coming into the chat. Speaking of the chat, we have 118 people out there tonight. Oh my God. Uh, it's a big showing for Paul. A lot of, wow. lot of good comments coming in. So, section crew, let's hear from you. Um, why don't you uh, say, hey, we'll. Uh, I'll do the the usual bit here where I'll try and read publicly read all the names and uh, we'll go from there. But so let us know how you're doing tonight, where you're at, where you're coming from. Um, Austin Clunker, Randy Timmerman is here. Welcome. Let's see here. Uh, Mike H.O. Trains is here. Um, why run or why are you naked for? Um, what? is here this evening. Yeah, that's I couldn't make it up if I tried. Welcome. Uh, Wigwag, <laughs> hey there, section podcast, uh, second section podcast crew. Uh, Drew Glade, uh, hello from Northern Wisconsin. Chris Bell is here tonight. Um, let's see here. Uh, Dave BNSF Enscale is here. Connor Roloffson is here. Um, Lynn McCurdy here this evening. Robert Thomas, uh, Aussie Engineer in the house. Sue the Milwaukee Road is here. AJ Palmer, hello from Brisbane, Australia. Don Iris, Sebastian, Florida. Welcome, Don. William Kennedy, Bill Kennedy from Indy Enjoying. John Rose is here tonight. Container Man 68, hello in the truck, Tampa, Florida. Chris Bells from Iowa. 
Here we got Tim Moran, Akron, Ohio, sends his greetings. Derek Alexander's here tonight. QNER Railroad from Toronto is here. Like that channel. Um, let's see, J3730 from Jay Hastings from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jim Donahue from Marshall, Michigan, modeling the BKRR. Late Night Model Railroad is here tonight. Uh, upstate New York. Welcome, Late Night Model Railroad. John Garvin's here, the Osmerica uh, Model Railroading. Uh, Hardy is here tonight. Welcome, Jeff Schultz, Salem Wish, Oregon. Uh, Nathan Crab is here just to add more pressure to Andy. Jeff Anthony is here from the coast of Maine. Mick Shea is here. Thomas Chris is here. Did Andy read all 118? Almost. Steve 87th PSAP is here. <laughs> Bill Kenkel. Um, Jarrell Eames is here this evening. Welcome. Peter Tillman. Randy is Rock and Roll Railroad from Tuttle, Oklahoma. Darren James, White Rock, BC. Heath is here tonight? Question mark. Tom O'Connell, Central Wisconsin, Grandpa Rails. And Bob... Tusink is here as well, Beerline Modeler, and the list goes on and on and on. Central Minnesota and Western. Welcome, everyone, to the Second Section Podcast. So we got a great show packed in tonight. We're going to do an awesome short line of the show that's, well, near and dear to, to a lot of people in, in the section crew and to a couple of the hosts here. And then after the short line of the show, Paul is going to give us a wonderful tour about shelf layouts and his layout, the Riverbelt line. Can't wait to see that. So welcome, everybody. Mike? Muskoka Steve, he's from Ontario. What, part of Ontario. what part of Ontario are you, come, are you at? I'm going up there on April 20th, uh, so I'll be up in Sudbury. So if you're anywhere around the Sudbury area, drop me a line and and uh hey maybe we can get together and do lunch or something there you so, go but yeah if you're not here raise your hand good ones i'm not here dark. so yeah. that's gonna we're about a half hour in good start so far we're what we'll do is uh we'll take our first commercial break here kick it over to the greasy meat hands band as they introduce our next segment It is time for the short line of the show. Mike, <laughs> I'm going to put you on center stage. We'll All right. Drink of water here. Um, and where are we in the United States on the big map? We're in the state of Michigan. Okay, Michigan. Michigan, you know, and I made an executive decision. I am okay. ignore I am ignoring the lower portion of that state altogether. Okay. You're ignoring the lower portion. So yep. you're just we're looking at Wisconsin's comb over, the UP. Yeah, the Wisconsin's comb over, the upper peninsula of Michigan is where we're looking. Now I was gonna do the Escanaba and Lake Superior. And that is a railroad that is very near and dear to your heart and my heart, yes. and a lot of people's heart around. Uh, but the more I started looking at it. The more I'm like, you know, really, I mean, it's not 
really that exciting. Okay. It has a it has a very interesting history. It has all that, it, but it, it's it's just I kind of felt I needed something more. Okay. Okay. So I thought I'd go maybe. Oh, what would it be? On well, there's 60, 70 miles, if even that far north of Channing, Michigan, up to Marquette. Ooh. Way and up north. Way up north. Up north, as they say. And I am going to do the best I can to screw this up completely. Well, Let's while we're at see. it, Wigwag Workshop uh, threw out a super chat. His wow. favorite part of the show. Thank you. Thank Wig- you. Hey, dear Wigwag. Thank you, pal. Um, love, the, love the super chats. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Dun, 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 dun. Can you see that? And in full screen. In full screen. You can see that? Yeah. The Lake Superior and Ishpeming. L, S, and I. And I. We are going to mining country, baby. And I tell you what, this, the LS and I, is one of those railroads that when you go up and visit it, even to this day, if you don't fall in love with the area, the scenery up there is just breathtaking. It is. It is, is absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, I don't like to bring a whole lot of uh, religion into things, but God was paying very close attention to what he was doing when he made the, the that part of the UP. It is just gorgeous. I highly recommend people come up here. Now, one of the things I've got to figure out how I'm going to do this. Okay, so I'm, there's that. We're back. Here's, we're back. You're back. <laughs> this is I. I got to figure out how to do this a little bit more seamless. Paul, as an executive producer, if you have any notes for our team at all to improve production value here on <laughs> on the second section, by all means, um, let her rip. So, so here's here's a map of what the LS and I is. Today, okay, that's what it is today. Pretty much, uh, you have the in Marquette, you have the ore dock, which by the way is the last gravity fed ore dock on the Great Lakes. Really, yes, so, every, so everything when... else is fed by conveyor or etc. So, let's let's uh, for the folks, uh who don't know what is what are we talking about here? What does that mean? A gravity fed ore dock? Well, I can actually show you We're what a gravity. Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna. This is this is where production. This one is gonna take some production. Uh, let's see. How can I say it? Strategery. Yeah, you're gonna need some strategery. So the line the line goes from looks like the 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 dock, which is gonna be in Marquette, Michigan. Oh, okay. this is a mute. Okay. Okay. This is a Liam Hoffman photo. Okay. Now, oh, a lot of these photos that I'm going to be showing with the yes. handful that have not come from the net and stuff like that, yep. have come from kids who are under the, and I do say kids because I'm 53 years old. Sure. These guys are the same age as my sons and they are taking photography like this. Yes. It is ridiculous. Obviously this was done with a drone. But still, 
the the way these guys are able to frame stuff today is just amazing. Uh, so this is from Liam Hoffman. He he gave this one to me. Now gravity feed. This is what they're calling charging when they shove the loads up. It's called charging the dock. So they 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 line up the cars and they basically just empty them down into the chutes. And then once the chutes get to a certain point and are ready, they are they are these gates are these chutes are like lowered and then a door towards the base is opened and via gravity the ore is loaded into the boat. It is wow. that simple. And that what's simple? It, what they can do that is really neat though is and and this I have a friend of mine who is a, a locomotive engineer on the LS and I and he okay. has been what they do is if a customer for a steel mill has a certain like a certain type of steel that they need or a certain like grade of ore that they need or 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 mixture they can actually do that to some degree right on in on the dock itself by by mixing different grades of ore in the sh in the bins when they charge those chutes, so that that ore grade goes into the boat and is sucked out of the boat at like say goes Cleveland, and when it gets to Cleveland, it comes out of the boat and go it can go right to the right to the uh, to make the steel making process and and it's all set and ready to go right straight from the boat. So it's it's really interesting how they can do stuff up there. That's amazing. But, um, this winter so, time. Oh, so I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, dera I derailed you, Mike. Um, no, go did, ahead. You, did you want to bring the map back up and describe it? I I know we yes. got off on a tangent, and yep, I apologize I, to the nope, to the section nope, crew nope. for that. We're we're um, gonna be we're good. Here we go. Da, da, da. Okay. Hey, I can get it. I can do the clicky click part. You're getting the clicky clicks down. I, I got Paul, the clicky clicks down. Paul must be coaching you in the background. I... So, uh, whiff, whiff. Yeah. So where this branch is here, Marquette is where their main yard is. That's called Eagle Mills. Yep. And then believe it or not from Eagle Mills yard, down to the docks, they go over a trestle right just, well, it's not in the middle of town. It's, yeah, maybe. It's I guess, in the middle of town. It's in the it? middle of town. It's the Dead River Trestle. And this trestle is 565 feet long. And I'll, I, I've got pictures of it. It's 565 wow. feet long and 104 feet high. It is beautiful. 104 feet high. 104 feet high. Yeah, that's up there. You know, um, so from Eagle Mills, this is basically one job. They have a yard. They call it the West Yard down by the dock. It's where they stage the loads and, and, and to go up onto the onto the dock. And then they also stage the empties to go back up the, to the yard. So that's one job. In the yard, there's not a lot of shuffling around that goes on. There's not a lot of there is manifest that comes in. It's mainly, uh, I believe, it's mainly clay, like a betonite type of clay for making pellets. Yeah. Um, 
but and then I believe they also get limestone. And those are the things that they they use and they take those right down into the mines themselves to where the pelletizers are and that way that's part of helping make the pellet the pelletizing process of the ore. Yep. And um but there's a location like Eagle Mills is right here. Forest Forestville is basically where that where that uh, Dead River Trestle is, or right near there. Um, but then once you leave Eagle Mills and you're heading, I believe this is the line right here on the bottom that goes towards the Empire Mine. And the Empire Mine is uh, no longer being used at this time. Uh, however, it. There's rumors that it may be opening back up because there's processes and technology that they've come out with that the overburden, which is the yeah. rock that they get the mine, the ore from, they can actually, they're starting to figure out ways to extract more ore from this overburden. So there's, for about the last five, ten years, there's been rumors that they're going to start digging into that stuff. Huge. How, it's a mountain. I tell you what, when you see some of these photos of, the, especially a couple that I took and some of these guys took of like near Empire Junction, and that's where the Canadian National comes in. And yeah. uh, what the heck is the name of the town right there? Or the name of the station? The CN little yard, the little CN yard there. Uh, it starts with a B. Um, anyway, the CN comes in and will go into Eagle Mills and deliver, or they used to go down into the Empire and come back. Yep. Uh, but now they have only jobs that head out towards the Tilden mine, um, which is on this other line. Actually, no, Mike. I think. Or if I got that backwards, you got that. So the Tilden line. The Tilden's that, down here, right? Yeah, Tilden's down on the corner. Til, Tilder, Tilden's down here. Yep. The Empire's down here. No, it's on the same line. So Empire's right there. Oh, right here. Yeah, right and here. Then, and then the Tilden the goes down here. Tilden. That's yeah. the Tilden. And I think it's called Partridge Yard. Partridge Junction. Yeah, Partridge. Yep, Partridge yeah. Junction. Yep. Right. It, it's been a long time since I've been up there. I'm going back up there this summer. I know that for a fact. It's just too nice up there. Yeah. But then this other line over towards Nagani and Ishpeming, this, okay, Champion, this is now part of the mineral range, if I remember right. Yeah, and I don't know if that's there just as a connector for the mineral I, range. Yeah, I'm the, not sure either. But this used to be a really active little part. In Ishbeming, there was a yard. Believe it or not, this was all CTC at one time. It And now it's not. And now I believe it's all yard limits. Um, yeah. Uh, with, I believe, a 20 or a 520. or I believe it's, there's like a 25 mile an hour or 20 mile an hour speed limit on it, if, sure. if I remember right. But I'm trying to do most of this from my memory. <laughs> So we're, we're getting fact checked by the chat. Oh, I don't yeah. doubt it. Yeah. But, but the line to Nagani, there were the Mather A mine was over there and the Mather B. And I believe, and I get these two screwed up. The, 
portion of the Mather B is part of the high school at Nagani. And uh, another portion somebody else owns, and I've actually gone down into it, where the where the uh, it's like some kind of a machinist thing, and the guy's got all sorts of I believe a, a rail salvager had it at one point. And a friend of mine, uh, Dave Baucus, and I, we we drove down in there one day and we saw somebody said, Hey, can we just run around? He said, Yeah, just don't get killed. <laughs> and we went down deep into it. We had flashlights. The guy's got all sorts of really cool antique stuff down inside. And we went, there was actually inside the the floor of the mine buildings themselves, there were little turntables and small little pieces of rail and stuff like that. For the that. mine cars, right? For the mine cars, yeah. yeah. And then the, the elevator to go down into the shaft was capped off, so you could only go down. You couldn't get down. You you couldn't see. The, it was so dark, you couldn't see it. But uh, that shaft, I, from what I understand, went down to a ridiculous number of feet. I mean, yeah. I'm talking like Probably a mile hundreds. almost. Yeah. 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 So, so, so Split Rock's egging us on here mike let's see some pictures of this uh beautiful railroad well all right fine push 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 always the good. history lesson's nice but i think you, you uh, can't please everybody all the time mark oh that's okay i love everybody so like i said here's this is the ore dock at beautiful. uh uh on lake superior uh off to the left is Prescott isle um, and then off to the ship's right, shouldn't say ship, it's a boat, not a ship, it's a boat because it's not an ocean going vessel, it is a Great Lakes vessel, so therefore it is a boat, not a ship. Uh, to the right of this is a unloader for the power plant, which is directly behind us, and uh, they would un bring boats in like this filled with coal and unload into this chute, go down under the highway. <laughs> and it's just, it's incredible. The, it, the whole area is really neat. Yeah. Uh, not exactly sure. These are all from Liam Hoffman. Uh, this is just gorgeous. Uh, there you can see a distance signal. Uh, they, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. In the background here, if I remember correctly, I believe those are some of the tailing that's some of the tailings uh, piles back there. That just goes to show you how high these things are. Oh. Uh, this this is near for uh, I want to say this is close to Forestville, maybe a little a little north of it on the way to the dock. But this is uh, on the way down the hill from Eagle Mills, heading towards uh, towards the dock towards West Yard. Yeah. So so why don't what what do you let's describe what we see on the screen here these aren't these aren't your typical uh um you know ac or 4400 uh acs or what, what are we looking at here these are c30-7s c30-7 so there it looks like x burlington northern units Yes, that would be what it is. And what's really interesting is is the LSNI, and we'll get some pictures of some of the older paint schemes here in a little bit. But when LSNI got the former, I believe they were U30Cs or U33Cs from the uh, from uh, the Burlington Northern, and then a handful of these C30-7s, 
when they got those, they adopted the Burlington Northern's paint scheme as their own. The only thing they did is, I believe they made a slight change to the the way the stripes were on the nose. I think there's really? one less. I think there might be one less, but it, regardless, they adopted this as their own paint scheme to save money. That way, they didn't have to repaint anything. They just went on and just left it. Um, so, uh, which you know really makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. And <laughs> as any good U-boat will do, they do like to smoke. Uh, wow! You know, this is a now. If you look real close, this is a manifest train. Uh, so uh, it's a short one too. It's like. a short little three-car train. That's all it is. But you know, if I had to venture a guess, I'd say they're they're heading back towards Eagle Mills from from down in the from the West Yard. Mm. Um. Now this is an this is a this shot. I'm sorry, Liam. I love you, buddy, but nobody should be allowed to take this good of photography. This is beautiful. I mean, isn't that ridiculous? Beautiful thing? shot. It's isn't just, that it's, something? It's, yeah. Right it's here, caps. right here. That's that coal unloader I was telling you guys about. Yeah. So, but here you have. I believe it's a. A thousand footer on one side and a say eight fifty on the other side, something along those lines. Those are some big boats. And then, as you can see, you can see the way they—they've obviously they've been. They've, these are all empties right here. They—they were charging the charging the pocket is what they called. But they have these little. I'm going to try to zoom in on this. Wow, got these little, almost like little roads. And what they do is they take these vehicles and go alongside the cars and they yeah. use these little vehicles to open up the gates on the cars to unload them. So it's really, really kind of a slick little operation. Um, Who took this picture? This is Liam Hoffman. Yeah, this is from his drone. If you're, if you're watching tonight, Liam, thank you for sharing that with us. This is yeah, you know, unbelievable. Um, really, really adding to the, to yeah, the content it, here tonight. Thank you. This, this, this is, how do you not just fall in love with something like this? It, it's really difficult to just, everybody can see your typical trains we see, but this is stuff that's out of the way that you really got to go hunting for. And once you find it, you you never want to not go there ever again. Uh, it, it it's you just have oh, that's, to. That's artwork. It, it is. Really, yeah. This photo right here, you could swear you're in the Colorado Rockies, right? You the, swear it. The UP is a totally different planet. It is absolutely. I mean, and yes, it's, we did make a little. You know, we poke some fun, and we we have jest about the UP from being in Wisconsin. You know, we called it Wisconsin's Comber, and there's yeah. always, you know, Wisconsin 2.0, whatever you want to call it. It is absolutely gorgeous country up there. Oh, this is a neat shot, too. That is that is really, really summertime. cool. Summertime. Yep, summertime. I want to say this is... Uh, so the three weeks of loads. summer that they do have up there. They're, they're, <laughs> they're bringing loads out. Yeah, they're yeah, bringing can... loads down... <sighs> 
are they taking? You can see the cocoa puffs there in the back. Is that, that's not Empire. Yeah, that's Empire Junction. No, that's not Empire Junction. I don't know. It? it all looks the same up there. If you're not, if you don't, if you're not, you yeah, know, if you don't have a. This is cool shot with the overburden piles yep. in the back. This, ladies and gentlemen, should tell you some scope of scale that you're dealing with up there. Yeah. This right here is all overburden. This is all, and the further down, obviously, you're looking at ore remnants from the early 1900s towards the bottom, all the way to ore remnants from the almost nearly today, like the last 10 years is up in here. And there is ore galore inside of this these piles like this. And it, it it makes you, this is like Andy said, this, when you see this stuff, it really, <laughs> you really kind of feel tiny. You feel really small. I mean, look at, everybody knows how big these engines are. Look at how Right, how small that looks. So you you, know? you talk like Boomer was on here uh, talking about scale with trees, right? Right. And so so imagine these overburden piles are act just man made mountains, and they 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 just tower. So like for example, if you were to if you were to make this you know like a a, a layout, right? And it's right. a great choice for a layout. You know, like um, another example of of, you know, ore operations, a split rock, you know, and he'll tell you that, you know, basically making that conveyor belt's fantastic for the scenery, right? The operations, yep. the eclectic locomotive power that you get to use, right? But look yep. at that overburden pile. That's got to be almost a thousand feet tall. And, and the thing is, too, is looking at this photo, Boomer did a whole thing on where you use that extruded foam. And you're using the extruded foam and painting the side of that. If you look at this, those are not rounded edges on it. There's a lot of squared off edges here, and a lot of stuff that it's not smooth. It's not just a like you would see in typical pile. Right. So you could do extruded foam in layers and change things of that nature and do it like that and just stack and stack and stack until you got to a point where you you were satisfied with it um this is kind Ooh. of a this is a neat artsy fartsy kind of picture but one thing i wanted to point out with this is That's pretty isn't that pretty the one thing i wanted to point out with this is the fact that these ore cars look vastly different to the ones you see in minnesota and for those of you that don't know and that there were there are differences and they are major differences between the Michigan style of ore car and the Minnesota style of ore car. And the Michigan style, if I remember correctly, are slightly smaller, a little bit more compact. And the reason that is is so that they could fit over the top of the charging pockets. Over the docks. Over the yeah. docks. Whereas the docks in Minnesota are slightly slightly bigger. The pockets are a little bigger so that they can have a little bigger car. But it's not much bigger. But they are. If you put a Minnesota like car feet. in a, it, Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a foot or two. But if you put a Michigan car and a Minnesota car next to, next to each other, 
you'd be able to tell the difference in them right away. But yeah. this is just another gorgeous picture. Here's another one too. I mean, this is the the scenery is just amazing. Now, Andy, on your layout, you yep. were doing a little swampy type of thing. Yeah, this is this is this, exactly the scene that's right behind me, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's where just, the where the 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 swamp or the the cut, um, you know, is is right behind. Um, you know, the right up to the to the right away. Yeah, it, it's really really neat. Um, yeah, it's cool. This is a cool shot. Here's another. Oh, it's another butte. Yeah. Uh, so Nate, Nate, just for all intents and purposes, um, a lot of people say or Jenny or or Jimmy, um, or wagon. I always call them the, Jimmy's. Jenny. I always called Jenny, Jimmy, Jenny. If you're, if you're working with Nathan Crab, it's it's or wagon. Yeah, well, um. I have. To, I promised Nathan this last weekend that I would, be ni- I would be nice to him, so whatever. <laughs> I've known Nathan since the day he was born, so yeah. I mean, I, you know, I... Uh, uh, but here's another one. Look at the size of that overburden pile. Yeah, it's just, it's basically... It's this is Empire small. Junction. That I know for a fact. This is Empire yeah. Junction. Uh, this is a photo I took. This is a nice picture. You get to kind of, you get to see the locomotive from the side here. Yeah, thank you. It it, it, it this is really kind of a neat neat picture. Uh, uh, you know, this is back when they were they had a lot more of the green units were running around. Uh, kind of neat that they blanked out the windows but kept them in. You know, they, mm. they just kind of painted over them. Uh, but now here's a I took this one also. Here's a photo that. It's really interesting to me because this is where they're charging the pockets. But what's happening here is that they're fresh pockets. So all the residual dust is actually coming back up through the, through some of the shoots and through some of these vents that they've got on the dock. Yeah. And, and that dust is also from like the cars being just unloaded. So there's all sorts of residual in the air down there. And and if if you understand how they make the, I guess in this case it's hematite, not taconite, right? Um, the the little the little is it balls. Tachn- is it hematite up there? It's hematite, and not yeah. It's it's a different ore in and, and, yeah. And taconite's in Minnesota, and then uh, hematite's hematite's in, uh, in yeah, Michigan and magnetite. Um, yeah. they they have that vein of iron ore there. But we'll, this will be a whole other show. We'll talk about red dirt. Yeah. Just red, red dirt. dirt, red dirt, um, Michigan blueberries. If you want to know yeah. the actual technical, um, we'll just talk about red dirt. But the and I have some of these these pellets, and it's amazing how dusty they are, mm-hmm. you know. And because yeah. because they they crush the rock into such a fine powder that it just it's it's really really nasty stuff. Yeah. Um. This one's a little out of focus, but mm. I still thought it was it was a manifest train. This is coming uh uh man, what the heck is the name of the cut right there? But it's coming towards Empire Junction, uh towards one leg of the Y. Yep. That that's right there. I thought I just Ooh. thought this was kind of a neat picture. So I see I, the I, BN here, the Burlington Northern Heritage there. Yep. I just kind of snapped that one because I thought it was kind of neat. This one, he's actually moving, <laughs> and he's got no headlights. 
But oh, really? that's this is Empire Junction, and this location right here is a location that my friend Dave Baucus told me about. This is smack in between all the legs of the Y. And uh, uh, at Empire, this is Empire Junction. Is is it Bagley Junction? No, that's not it. No, is that it? Anyway, up on the up to the right here, this location right here where the road in the intersection is, that's called Deer Hair. Huh. Don't ask me why. If if anybody that lives up there knows the reasoning behind why or knows exactly why this is called Deer Hair, uh. It uh, it'd be kind of cool to find that out, but you're off to the right here. This track to the right is going to head up towards Eagle Mills, and you can just see through the trees over here. The track to the left that goes over to uh, towards the uh, Canadian National slash WC's trackage. Yeah. Um. Let's see, I took this is another one, just uh, right in that same kind of bent, bent night clay up. Yep, bringing the clay cars down. This is a picture I took through that rock cut. Yeah, that's a cool scene. You see a lot of pictures in, in that in that rock cut coming around the Y. Yeah, this is the line, if I remember right, this track right down here is the line that goes, is that the line that goes towards Ishpeming? Might be. I can't remember. It's it. This track here goes someplace. It, it was still they active. All they all they do. They all do, right? Yep. Hey, here's a Nathan. Here's a Nathan Crab photo. It's cool with the signal uh, or with the neat? wires, uh, the posts there too. Isn't that neat? Here's another Nathan Crab photo. Uh, again, here the size I of the boat. Isn't that something? It's the same boat as uh, it's. Uh, if you look, this is a daytime shot of the nighttime shot that Liam made had. This is just a daytime shot. Uh Here's another one from Nathan. So this is another interesting little side uh, snippet um, of of the the LSNI. So the the modern LSNI, they have the their their normal like we talked about their ore cars, um, right? But they also have these Frankenstein ore cars <laughs> that these that, like this one right here. What do they call them? The Husky. The Huskies, yeah. Yeah, the Husky or cars that I, I, I don't know if they're still in service or if they use them for like scale testing or what, but every now and then on a, on a train, you'll see these oddball or jennies that or or wagons um, that, that just come out and they're just, it's, it's interesting. The Green Bay and Western, the Green Bay and Western had like 20 of them um, that they used for ballast that they got from the LSNI. But then uh, the rest of them, that's the only railroad that I know of that has gotten any of these. I don't know if the ELS, the Escanaba and Lake Superior, got any or not. But for the most part, I think they just use them now for, like, ballast cars. I, I or, tell you. Or, or, like you said, for scale test cars or whatever. But, hey, Paul, how about this for your, or, for your ballast? How about yeah. this for ballast? You have nothing but this goes to show you and this yep. is another this is another interesting operation, and I don't know if they do this in Australia, but what they will do here is they've got because of the because of the way the 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 uh, the pellets are, yep. they're magnetic for the you know they have a magnetic uh, property to them. 
they'll actually go with a magnet truck and suck all this stuff up in the, the middle of the track. Falls out of I, the haven't, I haven't seen that. Yeah, they'll they'll actually suck this all up and then put it in the boat and ship it off to make steel. You know, if you look at that formate, if you look at that ballast, the condition's pretty poor. It's, it's full of fines. That that track's due for um, reconditioning. Oh, it's it's you know what? It's perfectly it's perfectly fine because you know what, Paul? In the winter time, this place gets frozen solid and yeah. it yeah. won't go anywhere. You know, um, yeah. I mean, the, the track that's up a perfect there is... shot of track, isn't it? Like if you look at that and you look at, yeah, you know, it's not straight. It's um, well worn. Like, even the, and like it's this joint, length. this yeah, joint right that. here. That's not a square. That's not a round joint. You have a, but the the way they get around that is it's on the low side, right? The high side yeah. looks a little better, you know. Yeah. Except for this one right here. But I, I mean, mean that, that's taken with telephone telephoto camera yeah in, so it makes it look worse than it is really but that's a good sample of track to model yeah, it is yeah it is yeah this is this is the same area of the rock cut that i had taken my photos at nice uh, roof shot to the local oh yeah too. yeah Nate, nathan's another one of those guys a photographer that's just another cool junction yeah there's a whole group the, the whole group of guys like I said, they're all 20-something. This is a uh, Owen Lemons photo. Uh, he's another yeah. Luke, Luke Lemons. Luke Lemons' son. son. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's a good yep. one, too. And then, so, now now we're, we're getting closer to... So, this is a bunch of the stuff that's modern day, right? So, we, we didn't really explore much, <laughs> much of the history of, right. of the LS and I, but... Well, Ellis, the Ellis and I has been around for a long time. Yeah, it it, it began as part of the in 1893 as yeah, part of the uh, Cleveland Cliffs Iron Company. Yeah, and uh, I have a whole bunch of sh I have a I have some notes. So Mike, Mike did Mike did notes. So the iron range that it's uh, that it works in is called the Marquette Range. Yep, uh, you have the Marquette. The Menominee, the Gogebic, and what's the fourth one? Yeah, I know the Gogebic. There's a lot of people that love the Gogebic, but that, I don't know, man. But the Marquette and the Menominee are kind of the two big ones, if I remember right. Yep. And then, and then I thought there was a fourth one up there. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about that. Up in up by Ashland, that's the Gogebic, right? That's up correct. In that. Okay. So let's just stick with the three. So they are in the Marquette range. Um, they, the railroad at one point had a line that came out of Marquette and went to the east over towards Munising. And then they also had another line that kind of went up north, up towards Big Bay, Michigan. And in the 1960s, that line was, was, was a, was sold and I'm not sure who ran it or if anybody, you know, if it's even in operation anymore up to, towards big Bay, but then the Munison line, they stopped running on that in the 1980s. But the interesting thing about that is they served a paper mill over there. That's right. Munising. It wasn't iron ore. It wasn't iron ore. They, and they had RS, I think one or two RS threes that there were kind of orphaned over there. 
and right. and they uh, that was their the LSNI's power. And at one point, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but at one point, the Munising branch was severed from the rest of the railroad and was served by the Sioux line from the south. If I remember correctly, out of, would that have been late? Uh, oh, I don't know the answer to that. I can't remember, but I, I want to no. say... Uh, but anyway, there are two separate. You could actually model the LSNI in Munising doing paper mill operations. Yes, you could, and not have any ore stuff at all. Trout Lake. Trout Lake. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Yeah, Bob was so, the save there. Yep. Uh, and so it, it the railroad itself has got an incredible history. You know that that is a lot of fun to really do a lot of research on. And it has, it had at one point a little bit of everything for everybody. Yeah, for you know? sure. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah. It's Go got ahead. a, it's got a grade from Marquette down to the mines. The steepest grade on the railroad is 1.63%. That's, that's not bad. eh, Paul, that's, that, that's getting there when you've got heavy loads like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, Engineer be working, working I, the time. I think it might be empties down that and loads coming back up. Coming up. Luck, luckily. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, unless that's the line that – unless is that 1.63. I happen to have, because I got issued some of these when I worked on the WSC, I actually have LSNI timetables. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I actually have some Ellis and I timetables, but they are uh, they're very much old and out of out of date, but uh uh these these things if you can get a hold of old timetables for doing your modeling, they really can help with what you know, trying to figure things out as to uh loads down, empties up. Yeah. Thanks, Brock. That's what I kind of thought. I thought it was the other, the going down towards yeah. the docks. But so you mentioned you mentioned uh, some of the older paint schemes, yeah, the older locomotives. Okay, why don't we? Why don't, let's take a look at that here, quick, real quick, okay? real quick. Uh, let's see. How about? Uh, let's not do that one. Let's. Jeez Louise, come on. This let's see. RS3s, RS1s, RSD12s. Yeah, let's look at them and the gators, right? Oh yeah, the gators. Yeah, so look at that. It's not showing up. Oh, it's not showing up. Well, doggone it. How about there that? There we go. So isn't that no. This is not a paint scheme for the faint of heart. This is this is you can buy decals for this. I believe Microscale. They do make them. Make them. Makes them. Um, and it is a really really neat paint scheme. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for the green. To be honest with you, I I kind of like I like the green scheme. Uh, there is six axle Elko. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, this is a uh, what their paint scheme used to look like. Oh, it was a, like a it, well, this is old, but I mean, it's a red and like a creamy yellow color. And uh, I've actually painted some of these for for Dave Baucus it, like this. <laughs> and they come up. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, but they're but they're it. Let me see if I can find a better one. That's a it, good, I mean, it's a what is that? RS. It's an RSD12. An RSD12. So yep. can you imagine those old girls pulling or 100 car or trains out of the mine? Oh, I mean, well, that's imagine the idea. smoke that must have been coming out of them as they as they as they came out. It's just well, it had to had to be something crazy. They they were not exactly at one time they decided to go in this or brown color dip scheme. Yep. Yeah, no. No. I'm sorry, but that's and those just... and those are the color of those RS3s that were orphaned out in yes. Munising. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. yep. And then uh then we got some really neat locomotives. They had U23Bs or Cs, I'm sorry. U23Cs. And that's an engine that you don't see very much in the modeling world. I believe somebody's coming out with them, though, aren't they? Or is that didn't, didn't uh, Atlas just come out with them? Yeah. So if you need, if you wanted to do the U twenty threes, here you go. I mean, those are they're a big engine. Yes, they are. I mean, it's really kind of sharp. That paint scheme is just a sharp paint scheme. I just I like that. It's too. It's too. Uh, it's too bad that they um, that they got rid of uh, got rid of like all of that kind of stuff. Uh, they also had. Oh, here, let's get to the alligators. Yeah. Yeah, the gators. Let's see. Um, that's kind of a crappy photo. Uh, I mean, the photo itself is really cool. It's just not a good picture of the engine. Uh, Let's see. Here we go. Here's here's what they looked like when they first got on property. So they're old Santa Fe units. They're old Santa Fe units. Yep. How do you like the old wood boxcar up here? It's on the dock, <laughs> isn't it? It's somewhere. It's I don't know. Sure. But look at look at that. Isn't that cool? And look at the old the old uh crane in the background. Yeah. That's and then more importantly, that looks like a station wagon in the foreground there. If it I'm, does. An old woody <laughs> wagon. Yeah. All the photos 1975, so that, that would uh, stand looks a like reason. like a Ford LTD Country Squire, if i ever seen one. <laughs> the, good old, the good old Country Squire. Uh, they did do a dip scheme with these also. Um, it was red, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the same. It was the same colors. It was the... Here, oh yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's that's just. I'm sorry, but that's a it's it, part of the history. But for me, that's a little off putting. It's just not not a fan of this paint scheme. Uh, it it just I understand why they did it. The reason behind it is because the engines looked less dirty. Yeah, it made them look clean, right? They made them look cleaner because that's the same color as the ore dust that they were dealing with. So, 
however, at one point in time, and this one, well, there is one left in and pres preserved in uh, uh, at IRM. So uh, the Illinois Railway Museum has uh, has got one. And let's see, here's here's the picture I was looking for. That's the one. That's, That's the one. With the the one. nice red paint scheme. Yep. Alice and I. It's a beaut. And these ended up on the Green Bay and Western at one point. And then they also, but they never ran on the Green Bay and Western. They were too heavy. The entire line, the, the frame on these is lined with concrete, from what I understand. So these add for, for the tractive effort. For tractive effort. Yep. Wow. But they, but they, did see service on the Fox River Valley Railroad on the FRVR. So they they did run in and out of Green Bay south towards Milwaukee. Uh, they weren't very well liked, uh, and they didn't like to play well with the EMDs, I guess. So, uh, But they did see some service in uh, on regular freight manifest service on the FRVR after they came down here. And they were still in this, and they still in this paint scheme. <laughs> yep, I remember those. And then, uh, let's see. Now they got here's here's some of the U thirty C C thirty dash sevens. We saw some pictures of that. We saw those. Yep. The and then the uh, we saw some of the U thirty Cs. Oh, the U twenty. Oh, go ahead. It's interesting how um, they kind of. They switched out their power, right? So, when they when when the when they went with diesel, it was all Elko, right? Um, right. For maintenance purposes, and then they went and did, um, and then they they transitioned to all GE locomotives. They got rid of all their Elkos, and now they all have GEs, right? Yeah, but the GEs the GEs are uh, very similar um, in nature to the Elkos. Yeah. And and so that it was kind of almost like a a bit of a seamless transition, but yeah. this is a U here's a U twenty five C. I mean, they dabbled in the most eclectic units that the that GE offered at the time. I mean, you you didn't see a lot of these out and about on small railroads like this. But U twenty fives, they only had two of them. Uh, they had the twenty five hundred one and the I believe twenty five hundred. Is that the other one? Yes. Yep. And that one ended up looking in the dip scheme. Kind of interesting take with it, though, with the yellow handrails on this one. It's, yeah. You know, kind of neat. It'd be a nightmare to paint. Uh, right. <laughs> but, I mean, one of the things I wanted to offer up also, and I haven't done this. Oh, and there. Okay. Uh, Flicker presence, they're all Big over time. Flicker. Big time Flicker presence, YouTube presence. They've got a big time YouTube presence. Yep. Um, they've got uh, you know, uh, Facebook groups. Yep. That that will uh, you know, um, that will uh, uh, like pretty much rival almost any of the other any other railroads Facebook group. But one thing that's interesting is, is there's a lot of books about this railroad out there. There's several. Uh, Morning Sun has a, a part of their In Color series. They have two volumes of called the Lake Superior Nishpeming In Color. And then uh, 
I gotta find myself here. Where am I? There we you're, go. You're, you're in Green there Bay. There we are. Right? Yeah, I am in Green Bay. But then, if you happen upon these two books, and they're both by Patrick Dorn, and one of them is called "The Great Lakes Ordocks and Orcars." This is a really, really. I'm sure Thomas Gazier probably has a copy of this book because this is kind of like the Red Dirt Bible almost. <laughs> <laughs> it it really it really does cover. We're giving away all the secrets to the Red Dirt Mafia, now. <laughs> but it does cover all of the railroads that serve the mining areas. It's, um, it's amazing how many short lines, you know, the ones that you've shown already. Yeah, just amazing. Per yeah. Perfect for modeling. That that this one you've shown now is is probably um, more around like a main line, isn't it? Like it's even though it's a short line, it's main line operations. It it's very much yeah, but it's it's two different railroads almost in one because you have the op Eagle Mills is like the dead center. Well, not really, but I mean yeah. it's the center of the where all the shops and everything is. And then you have the guys that go down into the mine and come back, and then you guys the guys that go down to the dock and come back, right. and then you have the guys that work at the dock. So yeah. that's you know that's a different. And if I'm not mistaken, I still think they run the is it the seven wear job? Yeah, the seven wear, the seven yeah, wear, and that's like I weigh, you know, two hundred pounds, right? The the seven wear job is an interchange job isn't it with the cn the canadian yeah. national yeah and so they'll 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 do interchange work too so it's kind of interesting you get you get a little flavor of everything but certainly to say hey you know big time ore haul conveyor belt you know basically from the from the mine to the dock it, the other the other book here is uh is by patrick dorn is called michigan and ontario or iron ore railroads yeah. So, um, you know, and the LSNI is front and center on this one, and it's it's uh, it's really really. If you get a chance, if you're at a train show and you're you're interested, try to find these two books for sure. And uh, you know, you know that's. I don't know. I could go on for hours about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, it's it's just this one of those railroads that is too cool to stop talking yeah. about but we need to so uh <laughs> but that is your short line of the show the lake superior and ishpeming railroad next month or next episode show we are going to minnesota and we will be doing in all likelihood the minnesota commercial oh yeah another railroad that i have some personal roots in to a connections degree. too right i have connections in that railroad yes well that was certainly fun uh short line this this week um i again you gotta thank the uh the rail fans the you know yep the, the folks liam and did nathan contribute some stuff oh yeah liam yeah. and nathan and owen, owen and, and brock and, and all these yeah. guys they're just yeah so that thanks. whole group all under the age of 25. So all thank under you. the age of 25. Thank you again like for us, just a little bit younger than us. Yeah, just, just a, a hair, little bit. Just a hair. <laughs> um, but so. anyhow, yeah, very good. Um, a very good contribution. Thank you again, guys. All right. So a lot of um, 
a lot of people here talking, gabbing about um, what Paul is going to be talking about tonight. So, Paul, um, we'll go ahead and kick it over to you. Um, we'll give Mike a break. What do you got on the ticket for us tonight? So, so before that, I, I sent you that photo. I thought we'd put up and show oh, yeah, some yeah, Aussie, yeah. Aussie prototype roll roading. Yeah, and um, my good friend Brendan, who here in the chat, took this photo. He's a uh, engineer who um, basically does a lot of heavy coal up in uh, Hunter Valley, oh, New sure, South Wales. Yeah. So uh, this is a new locomotive, and I'm sure Aussie engineer will put some comments about it in the chat. Um, it's a new locomotive. Look at this beautiful photo. That uh, whoa, isn't that crazy? And these are uh, General Electric locomotives um and wow. um brendan took these for me for my birthday he got off got off the locomotive and took some photos and um i thought i would share it with you it's just a beautiful shot so both those locomotives you can see the back of of it it has indigenous our local indigenous um, yeah. painting on it on on both of those um, that's really cool be beautiful units um so what brendan, are they what type of locomotives are they that they'd be similar to um, 4400 C C44s, I think they are. Yeah, really. Okay. Big That's cabs, awesome. big wide sa safety cabs on, yeah. on them as well. So um, I thought we'd uh, share that with you. I'm sure that there's Brendan put something in the chat now. Uh, C44 ACIs, they are. Oh, wow. So, okay. So thanks for that, Brendan. Thank you so much. So okay, so is that? That's not graffiti on the back, right? That's no, no, no. Like that? No, it's an indigenous painting uh, representing our indigenous Aboriginals. So um, are each engine painted differently? Yeah, those two are. Yep. But That's I don't beautiful. think all of them have them. Wow. That is That's really right. beautiful. Those That's, are cool locomotives. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So is the reason that that is is the reason that that intake filter pointing up is that to try to keep as little dust from getting in as possible, or is there a reason for that? Because that's usually GE's. Yeah. Like yeah. like right in that area is. I mean, I see a lot of overseas units have those like that. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, okay, so there's only two of those locos painted like that. But these are the latest. I think there's about 40 or 60 locos purchased. Wow. And, um, they're, um, they're our latest. Okay, wow. so I guess we'll um, we'll bring the presentation up now, Andy. That would be just fine. So this is a presentation basically takes you right through. Um, I'll go to the next uh, slide. And what, what I'm going to talk about is uh, I'll talk about a, bit, a little bit more background about my, my hobby, about my layouts, and then the move to my new location. Uh, we'll talk about design requirements, construction and track laying, uh, scenery, layout extension and lift bridge, uh, operating and proto throttle, the operating Ooh. rules, um, my river belt logo, um, lessons learned about um, what I've done building this layout. My latest warehouse project that you can see there in the background, which has only been finished on Sunday, and uh, what future future products, uh, uh, projects I have um, in the pipeline. So 
Uh, taking you back, as I said, 75 to 79, I had a HO 8x4 in, the, in my father's, in my parents' garage. Then uh, 81, 83, State Rail, which was the, is the um, local uh, authority at that time, had an exhibition layout that they used to take to the what we call the Royal Easter Show. Um, <laughs> it's um, And I worked on that, rewired it, put in uh, relay-based signalling. Then my N-scale layout, which you can see here. So I had like a basement in my old previous home, which would have been perfect had I stayed. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And that was an N-scale with a double dog bone. So it was all about continuous running. I, I hadn't really learned about operations in modelling. So as much as it was fun, I soon got a little bit bored about watching trains just going round and round. Um, although some people enjoy that and there's nothing wrong with that. And then we'll move on to my um, current layout. Um, there's some photos from my N-scale build. And uh, basically, Missouri Pacific, MKT, same same, same companies, really, that, that I always like. Um, so that was a lot of um, fun. I learned a lot about N-scale, but as I grew older, I realised that my site, you know, isn't isn't getting better. Right. So, hence, new location. So, we decided to move house in 2012. So, uh, my last house was um, basically a number of levels, mm -hmm. and we decided we wanted, um, I needed a double garage for a start for my cars, and I wanted um, a change. So, I sold my whole N-scale collection. Um, which funded the transition to HO. Um, so the, the reasons why I, I transitioned to HO was an opportunity to start fresh with a new roster. Uh, DC sound, DCC and sound was more available in HO. And I, um, it was suited for realistic switching operations, which, is, which had really taken my interest. And it was an opportunity to have the layout designed for prototypical operations. And the main requirement for me was an end-to-end -end switching layout. So that's a garage. That's a wall. So what I did was uh, I had some design requirements that I actually engaged with a designer in the US. So what I wanted was ma um, many of the industries in both designs had a variety of deliveries at different times, food distribution, which had daily shipment, a printer that may receive paper and ink, and machine parts monthly and ship out daily, every three days or weekly, depending on their clients. I plan for trains for approximately eight cars, but I do run up to about 12 to 16, which is always challenging. Um, although some local assignments will have fewer. And the brewery, of course, receives grain. Um, it has silos, but also has box cars, you know, tank cars, so, you know, Breweries are popular on switching layouts because they they have so much opportunity for operations. Right. Um, both have brewery industrial beltline yard at the bottom left. I'll talk about the plan and the brewery on the on the left wall. It has a lift out bridge, um, which didn't get built originally. I, I built the layout in two stages, and each industry has multiple um, spotting positions therefore increasing operational complexity. So these are the original, I hope you can see them okay. These are the original yeah. early plans. Oh, cool. Um, both drafted. We had um, the left-hand side. It's, it's very similar on both designs. 
the right-hand side across the lift bridge was slightly different. And um, we just to and fro. So the, the layout designer goes by the, went by the name of MC Fujiwara from USA, but I never really got to know his name. And um, we had <laughs> we built quite a document between us on requirements. And I think it's good to have your requirements. What do you want to see in your layout? What? How do you want to operate? Um, and I, I guess um, it enabled us to come to our final two final versions, which we have here. Yeah. You can see on the left, both have classification yard down down the bottom, and um, then the main brewery is on the left hand side. Then we go up around the corner. There's a food uh, production plant, and then across the lift bridge. Bridge. We adopted the one on the right, long term. Um, but as you can see, lots of switching, lots of industries, enough to keep one or three people busy on that. Um, I'm just looking at some of the chats. Uh, yes, I sold my N-Scale collection. Um, <laughs> it all went. So this is a this is a stage one. I, I built the layout in two stages. And the reason I did that was I wanted to have something finished to operate before I built the full layout. And I think um, there's always a risk if you build a larger layout that you get halfway through the track laying and, and, and wiring and, and you get a bit sick of it. Um, for me, by building the, the stage one first enabled me to do track laying, wiring, and then operate. And I operated significantly. And then I did the scenery and structures. Um, and I started operating when I just had half the track laid. Uh, I think that helps in track reliability. Um, it, it's very important. So the final decision, as I said, was to build the left-hand side. And uh, I put an additional run around, a crossover up the top so that I could run locomotives back down the layout without having the extra section. Um, final version designed for four interchanges, which I'll talk about. and. Yeah, I talk about where the Missouri Pacific, North Oak Western, and Missouri Kansas Texas interchange in Kansas. So that's that's a brief um, part about it. Okay, uh, it's all built. Yep, ask ask away. Yeah, I was gonna. What happened? Yeah, I've lost. I'm here, Andy. We've lost your voice. Oh boy, no, we've got some thunderstorms going through here. Uh, okay. And, okay. and I'm not sure exactly. Hey, do you got thunderstorm? Back. Hey, do you got a thunderstorm going through ripping right now? No, I uh, oh. I got my greasy meat hands hit the back button on my mouse, and <laughs> I, I decided that I just leave the screen. I, no, you I, had I, enough. I, I yeah. was done. I really. That's, I really that's what Andy does, Paul. He just leaves. You know. And I apologize for the <laughs> the, the poor production quality, but um, so just just a, a quick question. Um, so we we talk about the the, the Mopac, the Norfolk Western, and the MKT. Yep. So what made you choose? And, and if you if you're going to talk about it a little bit later in the Prezo, that's fine. You can move on. But um, what what made you choose those three railroads? I guess uh, I always liked Missouri Pacific in in learning about U.S. operations. Um, yeah, love the Mopac. Yeah, I, I think everybody has a has a soft spot for the. I love the color scheme. I just uh, I just like I like the the wide range of locomotives that they operated. Yes, as well. 
Um, Norfolk Western was a little bit later. I, I, um, I just started to like some, you know, they were the early, you know, in, in a way, a large railroad as well. And um, I just liked their locomotives as well. And MK2, I love the scheme. Oh, so I had good? to have, I had to have all three. So um, the way I devised a plan was that all three interchange on the river belt line and some pick up cars and, and drop cars off. And um, it just gives me a lot of um, operating opportunities that I can do uh, on the, on the layout. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then I think, uh, let's see here was one question maybe from the group. Um, I, I guess I must've lost it, but I think, I think um, uh, William asked a question about what happened to MC Fujiwara. So he was, he did a lot of design work for people. And um, I, I, I met him through trainboard.com. <clears throat> so when we talk about social media, I was I don't, um, admin. I still am on Trainboard. I've been there for 20 years. Not that I'm that wow. active there anymore. And I met him there as well as Jim Wiggins uh, on Trainboard. Jim's, um, Jim's a moderator there as well. So um, I met MC there and um, I engaged him to design, design the layout for me. Oh, wow. And um, but he just dropped out. So I'll talk about the construction phase now. Um, okay. What I wanted was something solid. Now it's in the garage, so I, I designed it so that I have two cars. I have my family car, and I have a '69 Volkswagen Beetle. That's my oh, little cool. runaround um, that I've that I restored. So the layout had to fit in with the two cars. And what I found was um, I was putting shelving on the right-hand wall commercial type of shelving i thought you know what this is solid stuff it would make great for for the shelf layout so basically i used um sh steel shelving and then put a um, l girder bench work basically on top of that and then i cut the, the front sections of the shelf away and then i mounted the backboard and and you can see that there's a valance on the top and uh, i use led light strip lighting for the lighting of it hmm. so solid um never had an issue with it i also insulated the garage to reduce the temp of temperature variations and um, sure. here in sydney we can go from in fahrenheit say 30 up to 115 120 fahrenheit in summer uh, around about 38 to 45 degrees celsius in, in summer that is so and it, even though i've insulated it, it it probably gets too hot to operate but I don't solder my joints. I know some people solder joints on their rails. Yeah, I yep. don't because I need the expansion. Like the prototype, you yeah, need to allow for expansion and contraction with, with such large temperature variations. And I've never had a buckled rail or, or anything like that. Yeah. So um, I think that's worked fairly well. Um, that's a really cool concept for doing yeah. bench work. I mean, that's really interesting. It serves so many more functions than just being a yeah. bench work. Well, you know? I got I got the under 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 bench uh, storage for all right. my modeling yeah. as well. And and a little bit more than that too, which I'll show you. Okay. Uh, so Pico code 80, I went code 83. Uh, minimum size is number six switches. Um, so there's no underlay. And, and the reason I didn't put cork was because it's an industrial layout, there's basically no formation in industrial 
industrial type of spurs. It's it's basically on the ground. It's not a class one railroad. Um, so I just laid the track straight on straight on the MDF, and then I applied scenic. All all track glued, no pins. Um, okay. And I used caboose industry manual throw over levers. Oh. But what I did was I used, did a lot of hours of running testing with my worst rolling stock and locomotives. You know, it's for me, it's about reliability. Um, you want um, points to operate. You, know, you don't want locos stopping over points. And it was before that we had these um, capacitors in locomotives, and I don't right. have any of those anyway uh, because my view is that that will – hide any issues in your track work if you get your track work to operate reliable then you don't you know you don't need yeah. to worry about that type of stuff um so yeah so so before we before we carry yep. on i i have a couple of questions and and for those and, and i just want to take a quick pause break here um for those in the chat if you guys have questions just get them out there and i'll, I'll do my best to get them up on on the board but so let's talk a uh, timeline here. So um, how long did it take for you to essentially put the bench work into play and then start laying track and getting it to a point where you were doing your testing operations and, and that type of thing? Was it like a couple of weeks, a month, a year? How, how um, long would you estimate that that, that took I, you to get from A I, to B? I probably there? had track laid within four or five months of um, moving five in the months. house. Okay. So within three weeks of moving in the house, I started the bench work. That's um, pretty quick. That's actually pretty fast, you know. Yeah. Well, I had the design prior. I had it already. There you go. Um, but yeah. if you know Don Don Iris, Don built a uh, triple level or double level <laughs> layout in about twelve months. So um, I'm a little bit slower than that. But um, <laughs> just a question from Ralph: How do I do the wiring underneath? What I there usually do is um, I'll pull out the top section of stuff on the storage to do it. But basically, I wired the layout pretty much um, before I had any under, under storage. However, saying that, I'm about to run a um, lighting bus under the layout in the next few weeks to do um, future lighting of the layout. Um, cool. Whereabouts in Sydney? Am I? Um, I'm out near Camden in the southwest of uh, Sydney. Just answering that question there. Um, yeah, so just if you look at the um, ballasting, the ballast is actual ballast dust, crushed ballast. So we had a supplier here in um, <laughs> Sydney that um, picks, goes to the quarries where ballast is produced locally and then crushes it further and sells it. So I used um, basically N-scale ballast because on an industrial line, the it's not large ballast like you would on a main line, and a lot of it becomes dirt. So um, I used a really fine ballast. And as you can see there, there's a lot of greenery because certainly in yards and even on main line, yeah. you've got greenery through. You've got grass growing, grain growing on, on the track. And they don't run the poison trains like they used to. A little these days, they try not to. Um, so you always get that that type so, of thing you can question, see question yep. from peter tillman what's the name of the ballast vendor so it used to be chuck's ballast supply it's now i think it's matt's ballast supply in new south wales um and supplies around australia but it's 
very similar to um, your supplier in the States who uses ballast as well. Um, like Arizona Rock and Mineral? Yeah, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Uh, it's similar. It's so realistic. Um, you know, it, it looks really great. Yeah, um, roadways, I did using pretty much um, what I call gyp rock filler, which is what you call drywall filler. Yep. And um, I just use that and add plenty of water. It does tend to crack a little bit, but um, I still think it looks quite effective on that. Specific year, it varies, but basically I model the 80s, 90s. You won't see much modern locomotive. So so my, my theory is that it's a industrial railroad that basically purchases secondhand locomotives from the from um, first class operators. It's all four axle locomotives. I do have one six that not that I operate with it, but basically all, all um, four axle locomotives. But you know, like everything else, my layout, I run. You know, if I like it, I'll run it. In terms of that. So Ray's got a question there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ray. Welcome. Um, we, <laughs> we waited for you to turn up. So you know, I'm I'm not being paid by around the layout at the moment. I'm I'm in my own time. Poor so, guy's um, on his own dime. Yeah, yeah Ray. <laughs> right. Absolutely. We're gonna have to talk. To, we're gonna have to have a conversation with Ray about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I use Walters kits, and uh, and uh, I think my other thing I'd say is that as you become, as you do more modeling, your modeling skills change, and you tend to want to go back and redo things or have a go at doing um, things differently. And yes, Don, Alcos and Alcos. I do have some EMDs, but I do like my Alcos. So in 2018, so that's about five years after I built the, the first section, I decided to actually oh, do cool. the extension. And um, the extension was a part using the lift bridge, which you can see, and I will talk about that a bit more. Um, the lift bridge was a bit of an engineering challenge, uh, certainly around adjustments when you have temperature variations. And I do have adjustments that I can do, but all in all, it... Um, it operates not too bad. Um, I, I lift it. It's right across the doorway into the garage. So you can see there that um, the, the bridge, which I think I have another photo on it, uh, shows a bit more. So the layout extension added uh, another yard, another, another classification yard, and two interchanges. So the layout has four interchanges. It has uh, a North Oak Western, an MKT, and I have a Mopac South and a Mopac North interchange, oh, which gives cool. me lots of opportunities for cars to come on the layout and, and go off. And I'll talk about that in, in operations. Sure. So here's, here's the lift bridge. So it basically swings up and latches up in the, um, in the vertical position and then is brought down for, um, for operations. It's Ooh. about four feet long. And um, it does have a crossover on it. One thing um, I did learn was that um, originally just had normal track butting up to the ends, but the plastic ties don't hold the rail well enough. Right. And I used a product made in Australia by a friend of mine, um, which is basically PC sleepers. So mm -hmm. I, um, which are about four connected together. And what I did was I replaced the original plastic sleepers with the soldered, soldered ties made a huge difference yeah. um, and I, I've had no problem since in alignment of, 
of the um, of each track. So this is the, the this would be illustrated by the picture on the lower right, if I'm not That's mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. So this is That's where you correct. replace the. Yep. They replace the plastic ties that come with the flex track with the PC yep. board ties. So what did you use to glue down your PC board I, ties? I used I used um I think well a product here is called Aerodite. It's two part epoxy. Oh yeah, that'd be oh. real strong. Yeah, yeah, that's not coming apart. <laughs> no. And then and then do you so one of the things I'm I'm a bit of a, a lift bridge aficionado. What what was <laughs> what was one of the things that you did to to get um so when when you lift when you lower it down how did you get it to essentially do you do anything for alignment uh laterally? yeah so i've got a, a i've got a piece of timber that sits underneath i don't i mustn't have a photo here that, that sits underneath and yeah. there's a guide for for the the bridge oh, so perfect. the bridge sits in between that timber and pretty yeah. much aligned but i allow a couple of thou of movement so i can line up the rails for temperature variation so do you it. do do a little um, manual adjustment and, and do a little testing before you kick off operation? Not, re not, not really. Drop no. it down. I just check check that it's aligned and, and um, off I go. Away you go. But nice. Very rarely do I have any problems now with yeah. it. Uh, but what I, what I will say there, you know, lift bridges and duck unders and that are, should only be a, a last option if you can um, – <laughs> get away without it i'd recommend it but you know yeah. like myself i didn't have that um you know i, I had no choice the yeah. damn doors right in the middle of the wall um <laughs> so so i had to i had to do something uh, around that and um in terms of power the, the 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 main bus runs along the floor and back up under the layout oh, there you and go. um i do feed the um lift bridge separately from mm. from the main section of the layout um okay any more questions um uh, looking good okay <laughs> i'm just there's there is one, okay okay I'm one rock. yes i say garage yeah, it, yeah. and we don't I, say aluminium we say aluminium aluminium yeah 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 and we don't say solder we say solder well you well. pronounce you pronounce the l yeah we pronounce the l yeah and that's true um, it's it uh, Paul is right. It is better than doing the dirty crawl. Yeah, for sure. So layout overview. This is um, giving you an overview of um, so that the first photo is looking at the back, looking back down along the left-hand wall, right-hand wall, oh, wow. this side. Um, and it's changed a little bit, even in that photo, that the new warehouse isn't there. It's it's the, the old photo. Um, and then the, the, the photo on the right is coming around the corner towards the lift bridge. Um, it's the only curve. and what, what I, It's quite a tight curve. What I'm planning is um, Iowa Engineering about to um, release their wheel squeal detectors. And From I'll install, Iowa Scared? Scaled yeah. Engineering? Yeah, cool. Yeah. So you'll, it'll detect the tr presence of a train going around the curve and, and it'll play the uh, wheel squeal sound. That's yeah. gonna be yeah, awesome. I need to I need to get like three or four of those on my layout. Yeah, I'm um, I'm just waiting for them to release because I, I'd like to um give them a go. Yeah, um, for sure. So this is looking across the lift bridge into the, the what I call the harbour port area. It has a small port. 
not as good as boomers, I must say. And um, <laughs> but it, it just symbolises the grain terminal there that does export grain um, off off the layout. So looking from a, um, the top, this is looking um, to the right down through the classification yard, the engine yard, and there's um, a spur that takes you through to the printer printing factory. Nice. I think all up I have an, uh, um, about 26 spots on the layout for, for spotting cars. Um, wow. That's a brewery. Now, that, that building there is, a, is the heritage furniture building from Walters, and I actually bought two and um, combined them into one large building oh, that smokes. starts quite wide and then um, is a lot narrower at the other end. So it gives that – it's not flat perspective – against the wall yeah right it, it's at an angle and um it's very effective and um i see that i see that building on quite a lot of layouts and i've contemplating whether or not i actually build a new structure there to replace it but um i'll i'll, I'll, I'll think about that um that's the engine terminal on the left which i expanded oh, during yeah. COVID, um and i also built that um metal metal yard and then the one on the right is um, the, the extension. And you can just see the harbour. I, I probably built it too low. The water line's too low because it's at the back of the layout. It's, it's difficult to see. Yeah. But, um, you know, you learn you learn from your own, own mistakes. And, yeah, Don, your sticker's there, absolutely. One of the first to be put on the layout. That's an animal layout photo. It's just some of my favourite scenes. Oh, um, sure. It's um, like the I did my own signage. You did your own signage? Yeah, I just got the signs off um, Google, just Googled some signs and then printed them out and made made boards and, and weathered them. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, there's so much you can do in this hobby yourself, you know. Yeah, um, yes, that's very true. You know. Um, so these are, are more detailed scenes that oh, I've cool. done. Um, you'll see the one on the top left is a bike store, and um, there's also some clowns, some scary clowns that I recently <laughs> saw, which are from from Bernard and Mini Prints. Mini um, Prints, yeah. My, my view is you can't have enough detail, and and what yeah. I what I always said was I did the first layer of scenery on the layout, and then I've picked sections and put more details. In there, I also have a military remembrance park that um, I have there with a garden, and um, I recently installed the statue of of the soldier, and I have an American flag in the back because um, Australia has um, a close relationship with USA and our armed forces. We fight together. We fought together in many wars. Yes, uh, US has military presence in Australia, and. Um, so that was a bit. Um, my father was in the British forces in World War Two, so I, I just put that there as 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 a bit of a um, remembrance. But what I do need to get is that flag needs to be replaced um, with one that's that looks like it's in a gale force wind. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> Walters do have do have a flag that's, um, and I know Boomer made one, although. Um, I don't have the skills of Boomer to do that and the patience, but I, I will replace that flag. Hey, um, hey, Paul, I got a, I got a question for you on on these yep. scenes like this. Okay, I just, I just got done uh, Split Rock's uh, uh, 
did yeah. just did a, a podcast here not too long ago uh, yeah. on s- details in a scene that are basically just for you. Yeah. Do, do you have that in some of these photos? Absol- like, is there yeah. is there some things that they're just kind yeah, of there for you that, uh, that the typical guy that's going to come over isn't going to see so, or understand? I, I was listening to the podcast uh, yesterday. Uh, oh, that you, you the, the, listen to the same one, huh? Absolutely, yeah. I, I love yeah. the Crossing yeah. Gate. It's a great, yeah, Crossing great Gate's podcast. awesome. And um, the ones for me, so you can see in that one in the top right, that Volkswagen being scrapped. Yeah, um, you know, I'm a I'm a Volkswagen person, so um, I needed to have, and I'll show you another scene in a minute. So that's in there to replicate many of a Volkswagen that was just sent to the scrappers, and you'd cry now, you cry when you see that. They're um, worth so much money now and, you know, just a great car. So that's one that definitely is. Um, but I'll take you to the next um, screen. And Ooh. the cemetery has that uh, interesting because when I was a signal maintainer, I worked in a um, on a freight line uh, that was a perfect Y junction, which the Aussies you'll know is a Shalora Junction. And I was a maintainer there for two years. And right along the main line, there's a cemetery. And um, I'd be working along there and, um, you know, it's the largest cemetery in the Southern Hemisphere. So um, you'd always see funerals happening and stuff like that. So that was for me, just my little scene. And then, of course, I've got forensics there that have pulled up a couple of coffins on an investigation. <laughs> so um, they're, they're, that's a little that's mini That's pretty scene. interesting. Never yeah. would have thought of that. <laughs> and they're from mini prints as well. And yeah. Yeah. Top right is my Volkswagen scene. So I, I usually, I used to take my Beetle out and we'd go to um, uh, Volkswagen. We'd, we'd meet up in a car park. And so I've, I've set that up there as well. Is that and, Herbie? Um, yeah, yeah, Herbie's there. <laughs> <laughs> the, you see the mate. creamy color one in the bottom right-hand corner? That's the same color as mine. So that, really? that they're my little signature oh. scenes. Um and then just some of the detail, you know, there's a little swing park there, a couple of boats in, in, in the port. I think, you know, mini scenes are really good. It just individualises the layout a little bit more. Um, so, you know, um, I've still got more to do. As I said, you never finish a layout. Um, yeah. There's always more detail right. to do. Um so now we'll get into the, the operating. Mm. So it's DCC operations with originally NCE power cab, and I had three, one NCE wireless and two NCE walk-around throttles. Um, but with the um, acquisition of the proto throttle, they've all pretty much been thrown out. I use the <laughs> – I have the NCE um, wireless throttle as my backup. Yeah. But – for, for visitors, basically, or, or future my grandkids. Um, but my Proto Throttle is what I use um, all the time. I'll talk about that in a minute. All switches are manually operated, and the Caboose Hobbies throwover is marked green and red. So when, when, the, when the switch is in the normal position, uh, you'll have green on the top and red when the, when the switch is reverse. Nice. And that way, it's a quick indication when you're operating to see the lay of the, lay of the switch. Um, cars are switched to several industries, both on and off the layout. 
and I utilize drawers under layout to store cars, which I'll show in the next slide. Yeah. Roster is basically loosely around the 80s and 90s and consists of EMD and ALCO four axle units. All rolling stock is weathered prior to entering service and all uncoupling is carried out with um, manually wooden screwers, skewers. Um, Artie, I, I operate usually, I'm a lone wolf, and um, but I'm anyone's welcome to come and operate with me. And um, my good friend Don Iris, who regularly operates his layout with four or five operators, has been on my back to um, start operating with others and, and not be a lone wolf. And um, I'm keen for, for people to come up and operate as well. So um, you can see there, there's in the bottom right hand, there's a holder there, which I hold my um, mm. skewers um, along the layout for, for operations as well. Yep, the footprint, Dave, is uh, roughly 18 feet by 18 feet or um, six metres by six metres in an L shape, uh, which is quite a good size switching layout. Um, okay, I'll move on to the next. We've got about 10 slides. So for those who've got a no rush. Those who've got a proto throttle certainly understand the advantage of it. Um, it adds another dimension to operations. Um, it does require locomotive CV and function changes. And it's I must admit it's a bit of a steep learning curve at first, um, but it's worth it. Uh, provides realistic acceleration and braking, uh, wireless operations. Um, it has 20 locomotive configurations. I use JMRI Decoder Pro to, to do my locomotives, but if you don't need to change function settings, there's only really two or three CVs you need to change on a locomotive to get yourself up and running. Uh, CV3, uh, CV4 are really the only CVs. Um, you know, it's a worthwhile investment. Cost is approximately two locomotives, DCC down. Yeah. So it is an investment. You know, I understand um, a lot of modelers who say, you know, it's too expensive. But um, if you're really keen on operations, forgo buying those next two locomotives and get yourself a proto throttle. Um, Mike, you use one. Um, yes, I, I do. As, as a locomotive engineer, you, you, you see the realism. Yeah, well. and I've got a real quick, funny story about that. When I first got mine, I started getting it up and running and everything. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get things to go the direction I wanted them to go. And then I realized oh. that I was doing everything backwards. <laughs> so so forward was back and back was forward for me. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm sitting here going, well, I better hope I don't go to work and do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So a couple of questions. Um um, Tim, uh, that the green is, you know, the plugs you put in the, in the walls um, for screwing into the walls. We call them raw plugs. Um, I put them on the end of the skewer just to give you a bit more um, cross-sectional area for your fingers when, you, when you're when um, you switching the, the coupler. Um, and, um, Artie, uh, the, the price landed is about $900 Australian. That's a lot of money. In, in Australian dollars, because it's about 450 US, and you have to buy the the, the card, uh, the the receiver card for it as well. Um, but let me tell you, it's um, it's a worthwhile investment. Yeah, for the DAOs, yeah, it's basically a DAO. 
Paul, would that be, or Andy, would those plugs that he's talking, those wall plugs, would those be like what we call anchors? I think he said something like a dowel. like a Yeah, so oh, you know you if just... you're going to screw into brickwork, you need to put in like a plastic, it's like a plastic um, like star. Anchor. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, anchor. We call, yeah, we call them anchors here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we, um, I use them. I'll just put them on the end of the skewer just to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, I guess. The other thing I do have is I have um, for the area I'm switching, I have a track diagram on the on the um, fascia. That's that's good too to have signage on your layout. Yeah, yeah, as, as well. I also have um, DCC Concepts uh, measures current on the um, DCC, so I can see the load, which is very interesting because um, if anyone has the early RS11s from Rapido, they have a defective motor. And um, in time, mm. they um, end up drawing more current to a point where they cause short circuit. And oh. um, you have to replace the motors. But there is a CV fix for for that as well, which I found out after the I burned out motors on three locomotives. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> but Rapido were good. They sent me out the three motors um, as part of the warranty. So it's not a car scale. Yeah, that is um, what I use to measure current on the uh, on the layout proto throttle we've spoken about you can see there a better picture of the diagram which i just use um, ms paint to to draw up it's just handy for for people who who come to operate to to understand what the um layout's about um so i have operating rules and this is credit Ooh. to tom kamoski another um, presenter on this show um, I came across Tom on YouTube and then I went to his website and I found that he had operating rules. And um, just to show the type of guy Tom is, I emailed him and asked him if I could have use his, his rules so I could modify for my layout. And Tom provided me the Word document, enabled me to modify the rules to fit my layout. And um, you know, we talk about um, method of operation, uh, what the block limits are, the speeds of the uh, the speeds of the of the line, um, train crew instructions are there. Wow. Headlights, ditch lights, when to operate the bell. So these are all things that you can add to add more layers onto your um, onto your layout. It, the other That's thing I will cool. say about power throttle, it adds about fifty percent more time in really. Wings. Yeah, it, it really adds more time. Because you're not just stopping the locomotive; it's got to you've got to break it, so uh, add brakes, so it takes longer for the locomotive to to slow down, to accelerate, um, you know, horn signals, all that type of stuff adds adds more prototypical operations in into your own in your own operations. Now, not not everyone has to do it, but for me, um, I find it quite interesting questions like there's there's rules like grade crossings grade crossings may not be blocked for any reason no cars shall be left within 50 feet from the grade crossing so you know that means that you need to switch your, your cars clear of the crossing when when you're um loading or unloading um do you, do you have a lot of momentum built into your locomotives then also yeah. or no yep yeah, i have quite a bit um although sometimes um I do um, take that off. It depends on how I feel, but there is momentum. And, and you know, I think it just adds more realism and, and it hones your skills on operating it and controlling the locomotive. You're not just winding down the stop 
you're actually yeah. applying brakes yeah. and the like. Um, other rules I talk about are things like um, the route. Before entering a route, visually confirm that all switches are aligned for required route. Mm -hmm. And after clearing a route, ensure all switches are returned to normal. And uh, that's really important in an operating railroad. We've had major collisions both here and USA where the switch has been left in the wrong position. Yep. So it's it's really about learning how how you operate in the prototype. Um, a safety a safety stop shall be performed one car length prior to coupling to any standing car, and there's reasons for that. Um, yeah, people will tell you that the railroad's built on blood, sweat, and tears, and that's absolutely true. Um, the serious side of railroading is people have been killed uh, during operating, yes. and it's very important. And I think that for me, um, I like to build that safety component into when I operate because it's 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 very part of of operations. Um, Next it's, a good way, it's a good way for people to come over and learn how real railroading is done too yeah. by having some of those same rules installed on your layout, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, it helps you learn about the, the whole bit about operating trains, oper operating right. cars and switching and, and all that type. Um, I have derailers, which I'll, I'll show you on the next next page. Um, blue flags, which I haven't implemented, but if mm. you're working on a, on a car or on a locomotive, that, that that locomotive should be blue flagged to ensure that no one operates it while someone's working on it. Hazard material placard. I mean, you can really um, work, you know, you can really add, we talk about putting detail into the layout. You spend a lot of time detailing the layout. Why not put that detail into the way you operate as well? Um, it adds for more realism. Uh, and then, um, so, Instructions relating to the switch list. I have uh, three switch lists, one for North Oak and Western, MKT, and Missouri Pacific, which I'll show you shortly. Um, I, I want to yeah, answer the question that just popped up there, Paul, if yeah, I could. Yeah, I, Tim I, Moran. Yeah, Tim Moran. Uh, Tim, I I believe so. I know, I know on the WSC we started using uh, where we would say in between um, to let know, but that was in the late 90s early 2000s yeah. when i was doing that so three-step protection or uh, set we use set and centered on the canadian national um those kind of things for his time frame unless it was specifically specified by the railroad that that was what was going to happen i don't remember a lot of that happening at all so i I'd, I'd, I'd say yes that would be too new for his yeah. time period do you, do you have that down? Do you have that kind of stuff down in Australia also, there, Paul? Like, uh, where, where, where if a conductor or an engineer needs to go in between to make air hoses or or do something in between where the engineer has to verify with the conductor that he is, yep. you know. We also don't allow um, the riding of moving trains. You know, the conductor used to sit on the stand on the on the on the steps and. Um, of the car, we don't allow that anymore. Um, they have to walk with the train, um, not ride or be up in the engine in the cab pretty much these days. But I'm sure my Aussie engineers here will tell me if that's right or wrong. That's well. just uh, that's just on that's just on the engine, not on a shove yeah. on a shove move. Gotcha. Oh, on a shove move, yeah, I'm pretty sure we've um, 
there, there um, Brendan said, brakes applied, reverse is centered, and uh, generator filled off when doing that. So derailers, um, Scotty, uh, Scott Thornton, who um, I think you've had on as well. Yeah. Um, yep. I purchase, and I think you have too, the, the working derailers, which are just fantastic. So um, in, in most of my spurs, I have derails, which are prototypical um, to ensure that nothing rolls out of the spur onto the main line. And let me tell you, I've done that myself. So... Um, <laughs> A couple I, of times I've I've switched and I said, "What was that car derailed? Ah, bloody derailer!" Yeah, yeah the, the 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 stinking derailer is still on. I I was trying to get Scott to uh, I, I was trying to talk him into it in St. Louis this last uh, last year. I was trying to talk him into uh, making some of the older style derailer right. the rail. Yep. His work amazing. I mean, they work work. They work I mean, really well. <laughs> really, really good. He did a great job with them. It'd be it'd be nice if we could talk them into getting some of the the er, the, the earlier versions of these out, but uh, might not be possible because just with the way yeah. they operate and stuff, you know. But once again, another detail that one looks prototypical and works prototypical. Yeah, absolutely. And it, make, and it makes you so you can see I've put derailer warning boards. Um, it's a reminder, hey, I've got to open up the derailer before I, I switch that spur and make sure, because the operating wheel calls for it, um, so trains are not permitted to pass sign until guaranteed a derail device has been operated. The normal position of derails, as in the derailing position, shall be returned to normal when not in use. So when you're operating, you need to open the derailer and close it when you're finished. Um all now, what time. about if there's no cars on the track? Do you leave the derail on or do you leave it off? <laughs> now, on the Canadian National, the derail has to, if a track is equipped with a derail, it always has to be on whether there's something on there or not. Yeah, I, I do that. <laughs> I, I, keep, I keep it on. You do? All that's, the time. See, that's a, that's a good little, that's a good little, uh, a little whammy for a guy that, that isn't really paying too close of attention. Yeah, and, oh, I don't. There's there's nothing on this track. I'll just shove and, in there. <laughs> and you will notice that my signs are square with the round with the round D. I do that so that you can see it better. Although both Don and Ray always say to me, "No, I should have cut them round. They should be, should be round." But um, you know, maybe Don can send me some out. <laughs> <laughs> So, but they're effective. But I did use rail. I did use cut off cuts of rail for the posts, which is what we do, which is quite common as well, of using rail as as a post for signs. Another another subtle detail that is just kind of huh. there, you, you know. Yeah, yeah. So switch list. So I'm a hmm. Mac user, and um, uh. I use a pro. I use the program switch list, which okay. is um, specifically they made. The, they need to get this for the PC is what I know. they need to do. If anyone here is a uh, software designer, um, the owner of switch list is quite happy to give the uh, data to someone who wants to make it um, Windows based. I want to use so, this um, so bad. <laughs> I know. Um, it's great. Um, it generates lists. Uh, for each train, you can have as many trains. Mine has four interchanges, 
um, two yards, uh, 26 locations for spotting cars. There's multiple car spots within each industry. Um, cars are switched to several, as I said, several industries, both on and off the layout, and they interchange industry to industry. In, in most cases, the North Oak Southern switches general box cars and reefers. Missouri Pacific has the corn tankers and beer tankers contract, and MKT has grain cars and other miscellaneous cars. And the switch list, once you set it up, uh, it's basically when, when you finish your train, you say completed, and then you hit another icon and it generates your next switch list based on what you've set for the each industry and when cars are due to be picked up and dropped. And you can set a car to be picked up anywhere between one and three days. Um, wow. So it's great. It, you just and and it it prints it out, and I've I print mine in PDF form, and I send it to my iPad. So oh. I use my switch list on my iPad rather than printing out paper. If um, if it's if it prints out in PDF form, then could you pick that up and just pick it up on your cell phone? Then yep. So well, yeah, you can do that as well. And and the switch list program has a server on it so you can actually connect over the wi-fi uh via an ip address and actually have it on your phone or um on live. Your ipad live so chris bell has a question he says how many cars do you typically have on the layout usually about 80 is hey, about wow okay well that's yeah. a nice number that's a good that's a number good yeah. number yeah yeah um all depends on um uh, depends on um, how many cars are being switched at the time, but about 80 is what is on the switch list with my three switch, with my three trains. And I'll just okay. go to the next slide. Yeah, it'll show oh, that this a bit. Is cool. I mean, a bit more. So yeah. I have I had a service one for locomotives, but I basically have three switch lists. One is for uh, the Norfolk Western, one MKT, and one Mopac. Um, and then there's all the industry. So there's different different tabs in the program. And then that the, the far right photo uh, image is the actual switch list that you can see. It basically tells you out of the classification yard, to pick those cars and, and where they're going to. Um, and it tells you the load if they're empty or loaded as well. It's a great pro. It's, you know, JMRI yeah. has one, Windows based, but it's a little bit more complex. And I know that William um, uses that as, as well. There's also another, a new one called um, STS that's uh, available as well, Windows-based. But I, it, I haven't quite, complex. I have it on my computer and I haven't quite been able to grasp how to yeah. set things up real well on it. It's Yeah, and, and it, I do have another group. <laughs> I do have another group, Andy, which is um, Switch List Operating Which Group. Actually, I'll tell you what it is exactly. Um, I'm admin for that too. It's not used that often, but it's called Switch List Operating Group. Okay. And um, those who use Switch List, Dan Dosa, who is from um, Crossing Gate, uses it, is active on there as well. And we provide assistance to people who want to use Switch List. And um, I'm in contact with the developer. Now, the only downside is he's a programmer who's very busy and we haven't had an update for quite some time, although... He is working on a new update on this program. I, I love it. Um, and um, it's worth considering if you're Mac. Yeah, sorry, Ray. I'll invite you to it. <laughs> um, so 
is there is there a website that uh, a person could go to do some research on Switchlist? Yeah, there's the actual Switchlist program, um, but I'm not sure if this. Um, if you can download from the Mac Store, the program is free. Okay. And and um, it has um, there is a program, but if you go to Facebook Switchlist Operating Group. Um, we have um, files on there that you can download as well. Okay. And and a number of Martin Nash, who's another Aussie, is pretty prolific with it and always offers assistance as well. It has reports. It also has reports on where your cars are, how how well how much loading your industry is. Um, so it's I highly recommend it. Okay. I it's just uh, in in another life I did or still do software engineering. So, um, yeah, I would be curious to take a look at the code and see if, yeah. if it's something that we can convert, uh, over that would to, be brilliant. That would be yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Cause uh, it's, it's really something I want to play with a lot. And I mean, this would be perfect for a small layout. It's simple enough that once you, you work out how to set it up, it's, it's quite easy and, and it's never fixed because, um, you might change a load to be delivered more than once a week it could be daily it can be weekly or monthly yeah. and how many cars a day week or month so it's getting that balance so that how many cars are on the spurs and how many are off if you've got too many then your spurs not long enough and you actually put in the size the size of your spurs so this takes me to the next point is oh, yeah look at that what what i have is where every interchange or yard is i have a set of drawers so cars where my classification yard becomes has too many cars, they go in the classification drawer. Uh, the top drawer you can see in the top left is the North Hope Western interchange. So cars come on and off the interchange into the drawer. And the top right, there's three drawers. One's for the MKT interchange, one's for the Mopac, and the bottom one, which you can't see, is for the Southwest Yard. So I'll, I have around about 300 cars all up and 80 nice. on the layout. The others are in that storage. And then switch list brings them on and off from the interchange. That's really cool. That's awesome. So there's uh, there's a couple of couple of questions coming in from the chat. Chat. Chris Bell says, um, with the three different railroads, um, do do you change the the look of the ballast or the track too? Um, to not indicate- so much. Not so much on the interchange. They're basically all the same. It's sort of like the interchange is on the Riverbelt line. So they yeah. dropped off. Um, and then there's so, a, so, go ahead. Yep. I'm sorry. No, no, I just read the team asked a question. Um, I think it's great. Um, it can be adopted adopted for modular layouts as well. If you've got a if you've got cars that need to go from a place to a place, switch list is perfect for that. Not so much for, I guess, continuous running. It's it's purely around switching. Yeah. But it's certainly adaptable. Yeah, and then uh, the, I have a question uh, just looking at your drawers here. Um, so do you line them with anything at yeah, all? Yeah, like they're, they're just lined with a, a plastic um, type of mat. Yeah, sure. In there. Never had any problem. Uh, the only issue I will say is that, you know, some of the manufacturers' cars that are super detailed aren't suited for coming on and off the layout. Um Tangent, um, home shops, I've bought a few home shops and Chris and I have had a 
Chris Palmieri have had a discussion around that is um, they're beautiful cars and um, but for an operator that comes on and off I, I love the Acurail stuff that sure. is just doesn't have that you know fine piping and that so you'll find fine piping on my layout that's come off <laughs> or in the drawers you know like the prototypical cool, by the way you know you'll have a, a few things along the line I just leave them there um, yep. But yeah, that, that's the only downside coming on and off the layout. But this has such an advantage because it allows anyone with any size layout, you can have as many cars come on and off. And, and switch list basically allows that variability on, depends on what cars are available, it will bring them on and off the interchange. So, so if I have like a, um, I might have four box cars that go to, um, they come out of the brewery and I just have them going to the inner, to whatever interchange I want them to go to. When they get, when I drop them off the interchange, at the end of that operating session, I take them off the interchange, they go in the drawer. The next session, there'll be cars coming from that interchange back in onto the layout. So I just take them off the drawer, set them up for the next operating session. So as if overnight, the Norfolk or Western have dropped those cars off on the interchange ready for switching to, to an industry. Interesting. Nice. Very nice. So it, it allows for a more throughput of cars on the layout. Yeah, it always gives me an excuse to purchase more, I guess. Right. If I see a car I like, I'll purchase it and I'll put it in. Um, and yeah, yeah, Ralph, Ralph, um, don't use yeah, bubble wrap. Um, and Don, yeah, but, but, but the, long, the longest cars are 50-foot cars on the layout, um, mainly because um, of that curve. And, you know, I, I didn't want um, real long cars, so I limit myself to 50-footers. I have some 40s, um, but none with running boards on the roof. I, I, I do have a couple. I mean, you, you can still do that. But, yeah, 50-foot is, is the longest I have. Yeah on that good um and they, those drawers which is i bought second hand for my and they were ikea drawers and the three the three drawers original and i cut the others up and modified them so they'd fit under the shelf mm. on that it's pretty slick so the river belt logo so yes uh, my, my logo which has appeared on this show was originally uh, it was an idea of mine to have um but, you know, the North Oak Western Missouri Pacific MKT logos into one. And my good friend and our friend, William Sampson, I went to William being a graphic designer. And uh, William came up with the original concept of merging the three. Um, so William gets the credit for that. And um, Ray Arnott, not just, a, not just a voice, is also pretty handy with graphics, actually put it together and came up with that logo, which I have now. Oh, wow. So, so um, credit goes to both William and Ray for that logo. And uh, I must admit, I love it. And um, it's pretty sure on my, on, yeah. on my cup, which you can see there. Yeah. Um, and then what I did was I had highball graphics custom make uh, a number of size um, decals for me. And um, I've now got two locomotives, which so, so I have a river belt. So the river belt line has its own locomotives and uh, a number of cars. 
that is mm. purchased. So I've modified two locomotives and about 10 cars with the Riverbelt logo. And I've also sent my decals to a number of people who um, wanted to put the Riverbelt line on their layout as well. <laughs> so um, it's it's good. It's a bit of fun. It's um, It just adds my own, I guess, um, person to, to the layout. And, and, of course, the stickers, which Don probably started me off on that, and he probably has more than anyone, although I have quite a few as well. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that orange uh, the, is the original Atlas uh, C420 VNN locomotive, which I just um, changed the decals on. Wow. On that. That's fun. That's I, I I love the I love the home road. Yeah, I, I think it just adds a little bit of individualism to 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 the layout as well. It certainly does. And you know the Riverbelt is is known now. You know a lot of people recognise it. Yep, absolutely. And I know that Mike's got it and had it on his uh, drink container. I I did. I need a different one because when I washed it, it came apart. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to get you another one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's, a, um, it's absolutely amazing. It is such a cool logo. Yeah. So so lessons learned. Um, select an appropriate room. Garage is an ideal. Um, if I had my time again and I purchased another house, I probably would have looked for another room, larger living area, and had the room had the layout inside. Um, it's okay, but in extreme temperatures, you can't use it. Uh, and then I've got the cars in there, so I've got to, you know, I can operate with one person, no problem with the cars in there. But, mm. you know, ideally I'd love a, a, a train room. Yeah. Um, do you using, happen to have – I hate to interrupt you, but do you happen to have yeah. any problems with moisture, like when it gets to be, like, rainy, like, so, I, like not, raining and everything like that? Yeah, not not really pretty good. Um, fairly stable. I insulated not just the, the, the roof of the garage, but the actual garage door is a tilted door. And yeah. you can get insu- – I put insulation panels inside the door. Oh, nice. Smart. And that, that's, that's improved nice. proved as well, the temperature. Um, but what I did find is I used a MDF, like particle board, on the, on, the, on the layout, and I didn't seal it. And what happened was um, as I added scenery and used water and glue, I got some bowing on the MDF. Ooh. And um, so if your coupler's up right, uh, you you could have uncoupling. I've had to do a couple of minor repairs, not too bad, but um, yeah, there's something I should have done. And I learned from Boomer. Certainly, he uses Verithane on all his timber structures and yeah, that to seal. Right. And um, I did that with my structure, which I'll show you shortly. Avoid a lift bridge at any cost, unless it's totally unavoidable. You know. Um, Swing bridges, all those type of things are, are there for a purpose. I get it, but as I said, if you can, um, if you can avoid that, I highly recommend it. Um, less is more, so I'm sure their layout has negative space, and um, you know, uh, we've we've, and it takes me to the next point. Learn from others. I highly recommend the Lance Mindham books, and Thomas Klamowski's book. They are great resources for planning a layout. And, and getting it right. They're two people who do it. They're professionals. And I've learned a lot from, from their books as well. 
Um, for those getting into it, consider building a small shelf layout first before building the dream layout. Um, building dioramas, learning on scenery, laying track, all that is, is a great learning experience. Um, we've seen many of people who who start building their dream layout and haven't done it before and, and, and basically never finish because, you know, they, they haven't learnt the skills. Um, so I guess that's a um, lessons learnt. And those two um, locos are um, the, the latest Bowser release RS3s. Beautiful oh, really? units. Really nice units. And um, I weathered those with pan pastels. And, um, you know, for those who've, who are scared of doing weathering, grab a $5 box car and just learn weather it. Um, you know, even even the simplest weathering is just use, um, masking a locomotive and spraying it with Dolcoat. Yeah. Just do that. Pull um, the sheen off of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, just do the trucks. Have a go doing the trucks. I mean, we all started basically, where, you know, I, I don't see myself up to Ralph's standard. I mean, the work that Ralph does is just amazing. Um, but it gives you something to seeing what Ralph does gives you a step to get there. And um, we can learn right. off each other. Um, and shows like this and around the layout really help in, in, in learning um, how, to, how to make improvements. The other part is um, the layout is never finished. Keep um, – oh, there's Scott. Hey, how are you, Scott? Um, you know, you can never um, – Add, have too much detail. Uh, I think um, those who purely want to operate may not agree on that, but for me, I think it's great to be able to stand back and, and see the details. And people come and visit the layout and enjoy that. You know, my, my, my family aren't railroaders really. They're not in the modelling, but they enjoy coming out. And just a quick story, my mother and father used to um, encourage me in my modelling. My mother at 92 would... would would come and give me money to wow. buy trains. Mum, I don't need the money. No, 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 take it, <laughs> you know. And, and you know, Dad's passed now, but Mum's now 98 next week. Wow. And, um, wow. Not that she comes out now, she's in care, but she still asks, you know, she used to regularly ask about my trains and, you know, she, she was the one who encouraged me when I was a school kid and take me to hobby shops and buy me things. So she, yeah. she was, you know, I probably dedicate this to my parents as well. That's um, cool. Very good. Uh, so my, my recent project, which um, a few of you have seen, was basically from, from Boomer. And people don't realise, if you go back to um, episode four when we had the social media, um, it was one of my recommendations about Boomer's diorama. Yeah, right. Uh, that we spoke about. And uh, I've encouraged a lot of people across to Boomer. You know, I think he's a, he's a great modeler, but he's a professional. So, um, yeah. you know. He does professional work and brilliant. But he did inspire me to build this layout, uh, this warehouse. And I watched his um, episodes probably 10 times. And the first, <laughs> thing that, the first thing that I thought was really important learning was make a cardboard mock-up first. There you go. And I learned so much in just doing that in terms of positioning, um, positioning the doors. And I changed it about four times on the cardboard mock-up. Had I started building the styrene one, uh, it would have been a disaster. So, and you know, I used my group and I put put the mock-ups up and I asked for feedback and I got 
I got some guys who actually drew mock-ups and drew the warehouses for me and showed me um, some of the benefits, and it was just um, it was just great. Um, and then I built the plywood structure and um, put it there on the layout, and I switched with it just to give me ideas. And yeah. I did use. I was worried I wouldn't be able to get Verifane in Australia, but Verifane is only a a name. And I, when I went the to brand. my local, yeah, hardware, they were able to give me a, um, a urethane, same same type of product, which yeah. I used on there uh, because I was worried about gluing the styrene and it coming off. And um, Boomer had spoken about that. And I tell you what, when you use the, the verifane, it, it, it glues really well. So yeah. um, I used styrene sheet. I used... Uh, two millimeter, which is about, I think it's 80 thou. It's a 90, 9080 styrene sheet. Um, and then I, um, I guess, added detail parts. And then the, the biggest trick was painting. And I used um, Boomer's way of using a brown, black undercoat where all the joints were to, to yeah. highlight that. And then I used a gray uh, to, to spray that. And then really opaque. Um, 20% paint, white, using uh, isopropyl to, to paint the, um, the structure. And I'm really pleased um, with, with the outcome. And, you know, it's no boomers. You know, I know where, all the, where I've made all the mistakes. But um, I think um, it's, it's a great – I'm really happy with it. And then the lighting. I bought on eBay these LED street street signs. I bought street lights and I bought like yeah. ten for for ten dollars delivered, and I just cut them up and I used the heads for the um for the lighting. And no one else has seen those photos online. Um, only mm. a couple of Don and Ray have seen it. I, I wanted to hold it for here, and um, that's cool. the, that's the first structure that to really have lighting awesome. on the layout, and um, really I, pleased with it. I'm. But, look, I'm interested in in those lights, uh, Paul. Could you send the link yep. over when yep. when you get a chance? Absolutely. That would be. Yep. I would just. I've been looking for something exactly like that. Yep, and I just um, put the post, cut the post down, put them in, and yeah. they look really good, really yeah. good. But I, I do give credit to Boomer for um, for his tutorials. Yeah. And um, I'm used to a single action airbrush. And I purchased a new Iowata one this year. And um, I have to tell you, and um, I'm sure a few of you have done this, I was saying before, I'm spraying this dual action and getting, yeah, not too bad. And then it um, it clogged up on me, so I cleaned it, and I forgot to put the um, – the what's what's the middle shaft back in? The, the needle. The needle? The needle? Yeah, I, I forgot to put the needle in. And I'm loading the paint, and then I spray. I think, geez, it's coming up heavy. And then I realised I hadn't put the needle back in, so um, <laughs> oh, I was. I was. If you ever watch that show, Seconds from Disaster, I was seconds from. Disaster. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, a couple of times I had to uh, message Don because not using a top loader, I was spilling paint, and I had oh, to yeah. ask Don, "Can I put the lid on top?" Because I I wasn't sure if you could actually if the lid would stop the air sucking through, but you can use a lid and. You know, it's just as that's a beauty now. If you need to ask someone a question, you've got people on hand that you can just quickly ask a question. Yeah. And, um, 
that's that's a that's a beauty of it. And even Scott Scott Thornton, I've messaged a few times in the past about yeah. Proto Throttle, you know, for advice. It's just fantastic that you know socially we have all these groups that we can um, get advice from. So I think I'm on my my last slide now. Um, hmm. My future projects. So I actually got. Um, so manual operation level crossings with time cutout feature. So currently they just work off a switch and they basically run all the time. What I'm actually going to do is Charlie Bishop, who's a huge YouTube channel in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, he had a, he, he, he was, he found this device $5, right? On eBay that is allows for timers. So basically you use a momentary switch, you set the timer, and you can set it from zero to so many minutes, and then it'll just shut off. So I'm actually mm. going to run my level crossings like a um, a conductor will do on a manual crossing out here where you hit a button and the crossing operates while you're switching and then shuts off. So for $5, I get a momentary switch that will operate this um, timer and then switch off the level crossing after maybe one minute, two minutes. Um, mm. so I'm going to do that rather than have track detection. Um, mm. so that's one project. The other one is installation of lighting on all my structures and roadways. Yes. So, um, that one, the, the warehouse is only temporary wide. I'm going to run a, a, a lighting bus all the way through the layout and, um, I'll start progressively adding lighting to, to my structures and some oh, road cool. lights and stuff like that. And I've converted some of my locos to scale sound speakers, mm. um, which for your older locomotives, I highly recommend. The, the sound's amazing. But what I did find is some of the later Athen ones have dual speakers already, and you're not going to get a an improvement on the sound. But on, on my older locos, I've found that the scale speakers are fantastic. Yeah, scale really sound systems are really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have been great. Um, and um, I think <laughs> there's my advertisement for um, Around the Layout podcast. So, Ray. Yeah, Ray. You, you can't deduct my salary <laughs> because I've actually promoted the – I'm actually recognized that's a bonus, you know. Um, so, and, and Scott, yeah, We Honest Lights um, are similar for great – for crossings. Um, as well, and um, but I'll send you a link, Andy. You can put it in the show notes for. Um, I'll, I'll send you one for the um, lights, and I'll send you one for the um, the timing device. Five dollars US. It's just incredible, it's... you know. So the other parties, uh, yep, around the layout. I recommend everyone to um, subscribe to that, but also, um, of course, second section and. Uh, the Crossing Gate, which uh, are three podcasts, and all the YouTube channels, we're all on them. You know, Williams is the best production for a YouTube channel. Yeah, um, <laughs> super yeah, good. The Sioux, the Sioux Road is just uh, fantastic as well. So that's pretty much the end of the um, – yeah, Rowan, I'll, I'll tell you what the um, – I'll, I'll find that and I'll put that in the show notes. It's actually so from um, Kibbutz in Australia has a um, has a product as well. I may have it here. Any any type of polyacrylic um, 
is a sub so Verathane being a brand name right you could yep. use mimwax or um you know any other type of um polyacrylic um just essentially to, to or a sanding sealer would yes. do the same thing exactly right it's a clear urethane basically yeah. um as well and it, it was um i was worried i was i wasn't going to be able to get it here in australia yeah. And um, they 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 just searched for it with the name of it. Said, oh yeah yeah no um, we you can get just use Cabo's um, clear sealer. It is, mm-hmm. and it's a a, a urethane uh, basically clear sealer on that. Yeah, I mean this is fantastic presentation, Paul. This, yeah, absolutely. This Phenomenal. was super good. I I really love how you basically took us from. Um, from the, the yeah, from soup to nuts here, right? The whole the whole process, and and shared with how how you went through and 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 kind of engineered this this up with, you know, the detailed track plan and then turning that track plan into reality. And it's it is fantastic. And uh, soothe the Milwaukee Road captures. I think uh, the absolutely the comment here paul is a top-notch ambassador for the hobby i would agree 1000 percent with that thanks um, for that i appreciate it um you know not just with what he's doing with around the layout and uh, the you know the facebook group with the ho shelf modelers but you know just promoting everybody and everything and you know approaching it from a you know a, a positive attitude and manner it's it's really really pushing our hobby forward so thank I you think, um, very much just my, my last comment i think what was really important during COVID was uh, i said to people that my hobby was um one of the best investments i've done um yeah. you know we all have you know there's, there was a lot of mental anguish at that time stresses and even in normal life you know i'm in a, a quite stressful role but you know, I just walk in the garage, and I've got my hobby, I've got my layout, and um, it gives me hours of my own time to to enjoy the hobby, the social aspects. You know, the the, the, the socialising we have online with, with so many people is just fantastic, um, and it's it's to me it, it's really important, um, and we all learn from each other, you know, and. Um, and once you get to retirement age, I think it's important that you have a hobby yeah. um, because um, it's just uh, so many benefits to it, you know, and you learn so much. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. Well said. So I want to kick it. Thank, I thank you again, Paul. I, I want to kick it over to the, the section crew here in the chat. We're still carrying about 70 folks in the chat here uh, as we approach hour number three. Um, I think from a, a time constraint standpoint, uh, we're going to probably um, pass on what's on our workbench this week. So we'll have to, we'll have to bring everyone back in. Um, to, we'll, to have, add. we'll have to do that instead of a short line of the show next show. Yeah, let's do that. We'll, we'll alternate. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. But I did want to give the the chat any uh, a last opportunity here um, to to ask uh, some questions for Paul um, about you know the you know yeah, some hard hitting questions. Yeah, let's get some hard hitting questions out there about shelf layouts, especially. 
um, and then just um, operations. That's another thing. Switch list, any of those other things. Um, and then we'll, Mike and I will we'll go into our, our, our closing comments for this evening. So, Mike, awkwardly, as I do at the end of every show, well, how was that? That was this was fun. I tell you what, <laughs> I, I, you know, when, when we have guys like Paul on and, you know, Tom Klamoski and, you know, Mike Rose and yep. Boomer and the list goes on, whatever. I end up taking notes yep. and I'm on like page two or three of my notes and I'm like, okay. Now I'm going to go in the other room and I'm going to turn around. I'm like, okay, this whole thing needs to come down and start all over. You know, it's just, I mean, I'm not going to, but I mean, it's, you you always find new inspirations and new thoughts on how even just like the most minute little things, you know, it's just, and like just looking at the photos and how you, how you did certain things, Paul, it's just, it's, it's very, very cool to see, you know, how how things came together. And this is all in just along the walls of a garage, yeah, you know. Right. And the other thing is, is, you know, it's he's model. He's in Australia. He's modeling the United States and he's nailed it. Yeah, that was that was the other <laughs> thing that we didn't really touch on at all was no how how. Uh, <laughs> You know, just a, well done. It was that how he captured, you know, the United States and and the how how the you know right down to the operation and the fine details with the derails and stuff like that. Aside from the signs, Ray, right? Um, but, <laughs> you know, but, I, I, I was it was impressive. It was really impressive. Yeah, but if you take a stop and think about it, it's the river the river belt line. It's yeah. their they are their signs. It's not yeah. tip. It's not necessarily. I mean, any short line in the United States could have those same signs, right? Or something like it. I mean, like the derail signs. Not yeah. everything is a yellow square with a big black D on it. You know, it's there's all sorts of different signs for those. So, it, it, I, I tell you what, it it this is. This is right up there with one of the cooler layouts we've we've, yeah, this is, we've I, seen I really on like, the show. I really like this, and I've actually thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And it's actually inspired me to um, <laughs> finish this 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 peninsula because um, I was uh, there's the winds of change are, are blowing this way, but I think now with with this. You know, seeing the shelf layout, getting some operation in, doing some running, playing with it a little bit. I think it's. I think it would be really cool to just have this little, what is it, ten foot by two foot set, or not even two foot, like fourteen inches. You know, set up and running and finished, and be nice to 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 finish that off. But we are getting a couple of questions here yep. uh, from the chat. So, uh, Tim Moran. Comes back and yep. says, "How tall is your bench work?" So, so you left? can see by the photo, either the bench work's very tall, or I'm very short. I'm very short. It's um, <laughs> it's um, fifty inches um, from um, to to the to the uh, track track height. 
which is a good, which is quite a good That's height. That's not bad. Was, yeah. Yeah, well, I couldn't do it any higher. I wouldn't be able to reach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so basically, fifty inches high, and in most cases, it's about twenty-four inches wide. And one other thing I will say is, when I did do that design, I actually emailed it to Lance, mine, really? and Lance gave me some feedback on it. Wow! And um, which I really appreciate. And he said, "Don't make it too wide. Don't fill it with tracks." You know, but when he had a look at it, he said, yeah, it's quite good. Um, yeah. So um, that was a real benefit that, that I had. So um, Lance is someone, and I'm really looking forward to listening to next week on um, around the around the layout because um, he's just he's a, he's probably the shelf layout guru. Well, yes. And yes. Gary, you've got Gary rooming in two weeks, yes. a mate of mine, another Aussie. He's a good he he. Um, He's loud. Very much, you'll see the influence of Lance Mindham on on Gary as well. Yeah, that's going to be cool because I think he's modeling, if I'm not mistaken, the Florida East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida East Coast. But he has he has about four different layouts, shelf layouts oh, around wow. the place. That's uh, awesome as well. Yeah. So another another question came in from the Aussie engineer. Says Paul, what would be your top two or three space-saving tips? Um, well, I guess building the shelving underneath was, um, for me, uh, really beneficial because because mm. I don't have any other room, I can store all my modelling stuff underneath. I think having an interchange with drawers gives you options. Um, so even if you've got one interchange, you have one or two drawers, means that then you, you've got that ability for cars and locomotives to come on and off the layout. So it, it increases your bandwidth of um, what modelling you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and probably the third one is do plan. Yeah, you've got to compress areas. You know, I'd love to have a larger yard, but I couldn't. Um, so, yeah. so having just a yard that holds... You know, maybe 20 cars, 30 cars, then having a, shell, uh, having a drawer underneath enables me to have a smaller yard and have more spurs and, and, and track work along the way. Yeah. Chris Bell's got another, uh, another nice question here. Can you tell me how you came up with the idea of multiple railroads in a small space? Ooh, that's a good one. That's... Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It was, it was more about how can I introduce... The, the, the railroads that I want to model in a small space. So it was more about um, the three the three that I model. How do I do that? And it was by having interchanges gave me that reason to yes. have those three railroads in the one. So MKT will come off the interchange and it will switch the whole layout because it, via switch list, it does mainly grain cars, so it picks up from the brewery, it picks up from the uh, the silo, um, and then Mopac will do tank cars. So then I, I it, it, the way I do it is that I have a number of railroads with specific contracts to switch on my layout on the yeah. layout, which which is similar in the prototype anyway. There's different. That's um, not overly far fetched for that to happen. No, 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 no. It, it, exactly. There, so, there, we had we have a thing in the states called reciprocal switching. So that's that that's where you have multiple railroads 
doing kind of the same deal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And Peter's got a question. Will I be at Rose Hill Racecourse train show? So that's the National Model Railroad Association convention here in Sydney, October. And yes, I'm actually presenting on the Proto Throttle. So oh, I'm doing fantastic. a oh, nice. Proto, yeah, on Proto Throttle. So if you're still there, Scott, um, I'm, I'm still carrying the badge for you. Um, and for, for Iowa Scaled Engineering, and yep, I'll be there. Are, are we going, Andy? You know what? I could probably uh, weasel in a quote-unquote work trip over there, <laughs> wow. and then and then we can make that happen. Anyone who's visiting, certainly welcome to look me up. Grab me on Facebook, and, um, and there's my email. Um, happy contact me. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and And... And and raise Paul here flying him in. That's taking. Oh care yeah, no, of, so. yeah. Well, on on the salary that he pays me, absolutely. I mean, first class all the way, Ray. <laughs> he's gonna get. He's getting spirit. He's getting. Fir- <laughs> he's well, getting Emirates. Uh, Emirates diamond yeah, class is what oh, it is. Is he <laughs> diamond class? I was thinking like spirit. The only know? problem is Ray. Ray is so famous now. We've. Around the podcast, he's got an entourage as well. Oh man, you oh, know, boy, I'm just yeah. waiting for the big gold chain around his neck and <laughs> big fur coat walking around the, the place. The collar popped know. up, and yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that. That's good. That's real good. Uh, <laughs> it's stuffed in a DHL box. Yeah, yeah there you that's go. more expensive. Let Probably. Me tell you. Probably. Very good. Um, okay, so again, I'll throw up last round of, of questions here for for Paul. And then um, I do have just a, a quick programming note uh, for the 60 of you that are here that plan on attending in two weeks. Um, we have a, we're going to have a schedule change. Um, we're going to be doing the show, I believe, uh, April 15th. Saturday night here in the U.S., Sunday morning in Australia. Um, and it'll be a good time. Bring a cold one or two and uh, sit back and enjoy the show. Um, Gary Rooming will be on, and we're kind of in the shelf layout theme now. So um, buckle up. This one's going to be a, a good show as well. And then we'll do what's on our workbench. Um, and and I, can out. I just say um, yeah. thank you to all those who've who've come tonight to um, watch my presentation and all the feedback. It's really appreciated. And a lot of you are in the group as well. And, um, you know, it's not me who makes the group. It's the participants. It's those, everyone who posts, who makes comments and likes, that's the success of a group. It's not the admin. I just keep it flowing. And, And it's these shows, you know, over the last three or four years that have been a real savior for, um, a lot of us with COVID and now we've got our own. You know, I don't even watch TV anymore. There's so many great YouTube shows. Right. And I look forward to them. And, of course, podcasts, which, yeah. um, you know, around the layout podcast is, is and, and the Crossing Gator 2 that I listen to all the time. Yeah, I have to too. listen to around the layout podcast. I'm being an employee, you know. Yeah, Whether you like it or sure. not, you're going to listen to it. I don't know. I thought that <laughs> – I, I, I think were we talking about it in the – in the early uh, the the pre-show tonight but that last episode of around the layout i i really liked that i thought i thought it was really cool to hear ray's story so 
Yeah, no. absolutely. Yeah. It's good. Very good. Well, I think I think what we'll do tonight is we'll end it on that as we bring her back to the barn and we'll tie down tonight. We'll see you guys in two weeks. And then um, we'll have Gary, and then we got a. We're scheduled out until June now, so it's gonna be. Wow. It's gonna be a, a, a cool ride in the summer. I want to thank the section crew. Fantastic chat tonight. Really good engagement. Excellent, excellent um, discussion. And again, we can't do this show without you guys. So again, I appreciate that. On behalf of Mike, Paul, and myself, thank you section crew and we'll talk to you later good night good night thanks so